Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of HLTV Confirmed, brought to you by Extrify. Yes, we've had to sell our souls. Uh, we need to feed our children and uh, make sure we can keep the lights on here. Lucas is not cheap. Uh, it's a bag of rice a month, I think. So we, we've had to get some sponsors on board to deal with that. But anyway, it is Monday, the 2nd of November, and uh, we're jumping into episode... 13 of season five. So uh, lots of episodes here at HLTV Confirmed. Now today we're going to be looking into Nico moving to G2. We all knew it was coming, but now it's official. Yanko stepping down from that of FaZe Clan. We've got Vitality actually pulling off a six-man roster. And of course, we have our special guest of the day, Peacemaker. But before we get there, we have to jump in. We have to do a bit of a check of the globe with our regulars. First and foremost, Lucas, let's start with you. Uh, what's the weather like in Denmark today? It's uh, really raining outside. I don't know. Mm. It's really wet. Really rainy and really wet. So that's a good check-in from Denmark. Now, Striker, I have one for you. I've been doing my research in the, the Czech Republic, which is where I believe you're from, from all of my research I've been doing in the last five minutes. Yes. Uh, apparently, in 2019, your country ranked as the seventh safest in the world to live. How does that make you feel? Pretty good. Not, not that surprising. I think it, it is a pretty safe country. Okay, so Isn't yeah. It's also like the number one in beer consumption per, per person. I or think by far too <laughs> I think they've got the most castles in Europe, I saw. So that, that we also we, makes sense. Yeah. We're learning about the Czech Republic here today. Now, Prof, we know where you're from. It's bloody Croatia. It's not usually nice <laughs> Everyone weather. Everyone knows there. about Croatia. It's course, usually right. nice weather there. Uh, but it we're not going to ask about the weather. Sunny, I can say. What we're going to check, we're gonna check in about the real stuff. What's the Rona situation like there? Also, also not great, but apparently we're not doing anything about it. So. That's also cool. So it could be even worse in, in a couple of months. I don't know. Not like the gyms are still open, but I don't want to go because I feel like when I get into the rhythm, then they're going to close it again. Then I'm just going to be pissed off and I, I'd rather not even try. You know? Okay. So we've done the check-in. We've checked with everybody, but now we need to get to Peacemaker. Before we do, we have to run the bumper. So Lucas, play it. Let's sell our souls again. We're back and now we can introduce peacemaker peacemaker we were just talking to you before we got stuck into things mate and before we do the niceties i want to get the drama i want to be the tmz of fucking counter-strike right now what is going on with fours do you want to fight them do we get in a ring it's you and lmbt like what's happening no apparently i have to run to the forest that's what okay. i heard on twitter in the forest <laughs> no yeah no but just kidding like uh yeah it was pretty chaotic last night uh we very disappointing, as I even tweeted, like we were just practicing and then, I don't know, it's just common that we, we practice a lot of teams and it's all like uh, everybody's checking uh, status to see if they have GoTV on and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's kind of like a professional standards that we all expect everybody to follow in the scene. And then we're just playing and I think it was like mid-half during the practice and then one of my players actually saw that they had a GoTV on, uh, I think it was Shush, and then he just said like, hey, they have a GoTV on. What do you want to do about it? And I just said, yeah, like I'm, I'm uh, coaching right now, so I can't tell them to shut it down. Can you can you message them? And then that's how everything started. But like at first place, when the situation happened, I was just like, well, maybe they actually forgot about it. But then when they offered me to offer to send the demo, then I was just like, wait. So it kind of felt for me that it was kind of like a pre-made. Uh, pre-made the uh, deal that they had that like if they asked then we're just gonna offer them to send the demo and it's all right and when that happened i was kind of questioning myself and i even asked my teammates like should we do something about it should we just 
keep quiet and then I just figured that uh, maybe some other teams have been practicing with them and probably didn't even knew they were recording stuff or having a GoTV on. And then, yeah, I just figured that they would be the the right move to basically tweet about it and do what I did. Um, yeah, and then, I, I don't know, I was just very disappointed with the, the reasoning behind it. And it's just like, it, it's kind of like, I, I don't believe in fairy tales. And I don't believe that the, a coach like LMBT and the, those players, it's like they have been around for such a long time. And they know that uh, there's a GoTV on their server. And after that, we even saw tweets from Yanko and other coaches saying that they have been playing with them. And uh, apparently, it's not a one-time thing. It has been happening for some time, which surprises me that nobody spoke about it or anything. Like, not even privately. Like, I haven't heard anything uh, in the, between the teams or anything. So, and then, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what happened. And then I just feel like if you're acting that way, and nobody says anything and you think that it's fine and it's fair just because you can just send the demo and yeah there's a problem itself with just just the fact that you you know there's a go tv for for some time now and you don't do anything about it so sure so let's, I, yeah yeah I, I was gonna jump in striker now well I'll, yeah I'll... just let's talk about why it's a problem though like in the first place because obviously a lot of people might not quite understand because i think First of all, it's quite understandable to want to record your practice demos just for, you know, practice, like preparation purposes, you know, review and stuff like that, figuring out what, what your mistakes are and, and, and things like that. But then there's the other side of the coin where you can also kind of scout your opponents uh, based on that. You know, when you have a Go TV available, you can like literally see what, what every single move that the opponent is doing. You can use those demos as additional preparation in case you meet that team, you know, in some official games later. So basically, that's the that's the problem here. Yeah, look, I, I wouldn't mind if we could also uh, dig in a little bit, Peacemaker, into other etiquette, I suppose, like when you're looking for a scrim, like, or when you're, you're in, you're in a prac session, like what other, what other forms of etiquette are there? Because obviously the, the GoTV one, it's been common sense for basically the entire time people have been playing professional Counter-Strike, right? This is, it's a, it's, it's a weird one that it's even cropped up again, but are there sure. other things these days that, uh, that there is just general scrim etiquette? Can I just jump in with, with one thing well, that because I reached out to, to hear like Forza's side of the story, sure. uh, just just to see. I'm not saying this is like 100% the facts, but what I heard was that the thing with the GoTV record, it happened like it's automatically on when you do like a hard reset of the server, which is like on the on the hosting side, right? Because it's like a Seacrass or whatever, right? Hosting company, so allegedly that happened before this and they didn't check so that that's why it was on right and then maybe they didn't really explain it well and then everything like i understand completely from peacemakers from what we saw in the logs it was like what the fuck but i guess this was like the demo was sending the demos like the, their way of saying like okay it's recorded but we'll send, send it to you after after so you have so it's like it's the same for both teams yeah. right yeah. i'm not sure like if that's if that's real or not but that's just what i what i uh, got from from their side so there is a possibility that it happened not on purpose right yeah of course i i, I completely agree and like uh, i also i want to try to believe that they are not acting in bad faith like uh it, it's just it just surprised me even more when i heard from other people right that, that yeah. this happened uh, and it's kind of like when it happens once and you know there is a problem and it could happen again it's kind of like something that i feel like you kind of have on your checklist 
before you go into practice that okay we need to check if there's a go tv on because if there is the other team might get pissed and stuff like that so why not just take a look on it before you you scream if it has been something that has happened for a while and that that's what i i maybe they forgot about it and it's whatever like uh, as i said i, I don't be, i don't want to discredit their success on anything but it was kind of kind of weird the, the way they responded to it uh, and all of that i just hope they they're not uh, making use of it uh, and yeah, also the flashpoint effect, uh, fact that uh, we're playing against them uh, in a couple of weeks from now, and then they are using those practices. But but answering you, Shad, like uh, there there's like uh, standards about not being on time, which is actually something that we have been failing quite a lot. But it's not only us. Like I feel like uh, players in general, like they go for a quick cigarette or something like that right before they scream, and then usually the scream starts five to ten minutes late anyway. It's not a major issue as long as the as long as like you you do you do things fast and you don't keep pausing the game too much and everything goes according to the plan. I would say that a scream takes like uh, up until like 50 minutes if everything goes according to the plan, 50 55 minutes. And if you start like 10 minutes late, then it gets really really tight. Um, but besides that, just uh, taking several more pauses, like uh, especially the coaches, if you pause yeah. too much, because like in in, in LAN, they have those 30 seconds, but uh, when you're screaming, it's not like anyone respects that rule. So the coaches do need to take pauses, including myself. Like I just take a pause, and it's like like I'm checking the clock to see if um it's been more than 30 seconds. I just speak as much as I want, and sometimes it's one minute, sometimes it's 15 seconds, and then those those things I think that is kind of like the thing that maybe annoys people. But besides yeah. that, just uh, the go TV thing and recording practices in general. I got one more here because back when back when I was still playing, I think there was the Facebook group that we were using to find scrims, and then it was yeah. starting to get to the point in that Facebook group where people stopped putting the maps they wanted to, to scrim. People still hiding the maps they want to play, and then it's private discussion, or people have or you still even using the same system? Like, what's going on with finding scrims these days? Uh, it's the same way. I feel like some teams they they just post the maps, but I feel like when most of the teams are kind of hiding the maps and just discussing that privately because like uh, there is all so many events happening. Uh, us, for example, what we do is like I always discuss the maps privately, simply because of the fact that uh, I don't want the maybe the coach of the other team who is very active on Facebook checking which maps we have been practicing. I mean, I was gonna lie that I do that myself. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. constantly checking the to see if I can find any kind of information to, to help my team. Uh, even even on the like, there's so many tools nowadays. Like uh, the there's also a website that people are using nowadays. I don't know if you guys know it's uh, prac.com. That people basically they go to this website and then it just makes it easier. You just uh, post uh, the times you need and the and the, also the maps. You can select each maps you you do and then people just uh, post the times there and then it's very easy to book. You don't even need the contact. It's just sending an offer and then if the team accepts, then it's randomly selected a server and then you just have to connect basically. So okay. that's pretty easy. Yep, yeah. Pretty easy. All right. Well, now that we've got all the drama out of the way and we've done our, uh, our, our TMZ news reporting, we can get stuck into the, to the real deal. Now, we we're actually just discussing with you before we went live, like where you're currently situated and what's going on. Do you want to give the viewers at home a little bit of uh, an insight with that? Yeah, sure. Um, we have been bootcamping in Copenhagen for the past two weeks, I would say, like 14 days. Um, I'm from Portugal and Brazil, but and Brazil as well. But I'm currently living in Portugal, and uh, my team is everybody's from Denmark nowadays. And we just figured that due to due to having a new roster, and I always believe that it's very nice to start things off with a bootcamp 
to get used to each other and meeting in person and just building a good uh, team chemistry in general. And then during COVID times, it was pretty rough. Like we thought about different plans and then we just, we always think about trying to do something else, like doing a bootcamp somewhere else where we can have fun, uh, maybe a more touristic place. But with the situation we're living in nowadays, we just figured that uh, Copenhagen is also pretty safe nowadays. Uh, the, I think the cases are pretty under control. And then everybody's from here, so I just figured it would be safer for everyone to just uh, bootcamp here. And then I would just have to travel and take the, the risk, kind of. But uh, so far it has been really good, and that's that's what we're doing so far. And then now uh, the, the, the players went back home for a few days before Flashpoint starts. We will continue to scream online, and then um, basically decided to stay here uh, to Flashpoint. Yeah, probably the safest move, all things considered, right now. Yeah. Uh, so I guess if we reflect on this year for you and, and Mad Lions, it's been a lot of ups and downs. You guys obviously won Flashpoint Season 1 over MIBR, uh, but that feels like it was it was a lifetime ago because of all the Counter-Strike we've had played. You've had some roster changes in recent times. There's obviously no longer a Cillian on the team. Bubsky's gone. Um, I'm trying to think, where where's the best starting point for, for this? Um, after, after you guys won Flashpoint, what what happened there that kind of led to the the crumbling of all the pieces that we've seen in recent times? Yeah, after Flashpoint, I mean, obviously it was very good that we won Flashpoint, but it's not like we sat with the feeling that uh, our team was in the right path and everything was perfect and that we were ready to compete against the best teams and all that. So definitely a lot of work still to do and not taking any credit on Flashpoint or any of the teams there, but we also didn't have really high level of competition there. Um, so I tried to keep the players on check about it, that they understand that uh, it was great, but that we, uh, it, it was great, but that we would face a lot uh, harder opposition moving forward. And then I think the situation with us definitely like uh, it's up and downs and safe to say that like uh, our goal for this year was to be a stable top 15, top 10 team by the end of the year. And we're not nowhere near that right now. But uh, definitely due to the, all the roster changes that uh, happened in, in during the year and all the situation with COVID and online and all of that. But one thing that I'm pretty happy about is that like uh, we have been competing good events. So that's still a positive thing that we are qualifying for the good tournaments and we're having the chance to play among the best teams to gain experience and to maybe upset uh, teams and maybe have a good run and stuff. And right after Flashpoint, we actually did. Like we, I think we made it to the playoffs in Blast, and we we had a couple, I would say decent uh, decent results considering all the factors. But then uh, I guess leading into the first roster change that we had, which was Bobski, I think he was a, I mean, Bobski is a really talented guy. Um, he's really really smart, and he has a very strong personality when in terms of like uh, the way he thinks about the game, and he requires a lot of space in order to feel comfortable. And he, but he's a really good player. But uh, I think with Bobski was more like, I think it was a mixture of he, being, him being kind of unhappy about uh, competing Flashpoint. I don't feel like he was happy about it at all. Like, I feel like he really wanted to compete. Uh, he, and that's that's kind of like the scenario with, uh, with uh, most other players. You just want to compete the best uh, tournaments uh, in the world. And if that means competing an event with the worst teams, then some players take it easy, some players don't. And I don't feel like Bobski was really really happy about it um, and then Bobski was there that was also like some other personal things that I want to go into because it's personal like directly with him but uh, I think it was a mix of that and plus him 
being approached by different teams and maybe getting higher offers and all of that. And then I think there was rumors about Astralis wanting him back then. And once he heard that, and I cannot judge the the kid because like if I was in his shoes and then I hear that Astralis wanted to maybe get me for the future, that's what I told him. Like, hey, dude, if, if, if that's the case and if you're 100% sure that that's an opportunity, then if you that's what you really want, I cannot judge you. And I think that was a mix of that. Him trying to approach a new team, which was Astralis, which ended up happening, and that was basically it. He just wanted to move on to, to Astralis because he felt like he could learn a lot in, in that project, and that's pretty much what happened. I, I have something from, from what you were talking about with him saying, well, not him saying, but you saying that he w would have preferred to have played in a different tournament, right? With Because while Flashpoint was on, you mentioned the teams there. We had MIBR, the other team, in the final with you guys. Harvey was in the mix. Um, there was a lot of, uh, let's say, newer rosters um, to, to that level of spotlight as far as Counter-Strike is concerned. The, you guys joined Mad Lions. It was a tail end of last year, right? It was it was towards the yeah. end of... So at that time, w was it made aware that this team was being picked up for Flashpoint as, as the league or was that not known at the time? No, it was known at the time. As far as I remember, like we got picked up in January and then it was already part of the, the deal that uh, we would compete in Flashpoint. And uh, but the, the only thing is that when... I don't know exactly what happened, but when we heard about Flashpoint and the idea that was sold to us was that it would be a great event with a lot of top teams and all of that. And I think that was actually their plan. I don't know exactly what happened in the, the, with the business, like if it was complications or what, what happened between ESL and Flashpoint and all that those stuff, I, I'm not completely sure. But what we heard in the first place is that a lot of the top teams would be participating. And, and then in the end, uh, that wasn't the case. So that definitely caused some kind of a frustration, not only on us, to be honest, but I heard from other teams as well. Like nobody wants to be competing in an event for one month or one month and a half with uh, only two or three top teams. And the rest is kind of like a roster. It's like a mixed teams or teams that are not going to continue for after the event and that kind of stuff. So I mean, that was some kind of a frustration, which I don't know if it's necessarily Flashpoint's fault, but that led into that tournament not being as... As special as it could, yeah, prestigious. That's the word, prestigious as it could. Um, so yeah. Okay. Um, so then we we move forward to to looking at some of the players you started picking out from there, and the the innocent pickup uh, was was kind of a, a strange one. I think we were talking about here on the show a couple of times, and we're like, what what the fuck? Like we get they were speaking probably a little bit of English uh, for your sake anyway. But I remember either I read an interview, you did an interview, I maybe you were on broadcast with us, I forget, like I know that I had seen something in the past where uh, you had mentioned that with the team, they speak in Danish and then when, when you have the timeouts, everybody speaks in English. Is Was that the case? Did I hear, was that right? Yeah, that's right. Like the, the in-game, everybody's communicating in Danish and I think I've been coaching Danish teams for one year and a half now or almost two years uh, since the heroic times. So. It's not like I know exactly everything they're saying, but I know all the call-outs. Yeah. I have a very good idea of uh, everything that's being communicated. So in that sense, it's not 100% optimal, but I but I can pick up a lot of things nowadays. Uh, but yeah, that's the case. Was uh, there was there any issues though when Innocent came in? Because obviously everybody would have. Uh, we all know the Danes are fantastic at English. So, but but were there any like teething issues with the language barrier then? Oh really? Like uh, actually, surprisingly, Innocent's English is very good for. I would say Polish standards, like the the Polish people that I know. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, his English is really really good, so there was no no issues with the with English at all. Um, the 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 thing with Innocent is kind of is very unfortunate because like uh, 
there wasn't like being completely transparent with you guys there wasn't really like a a reasoning behind removing him other than the team feeling like uh, we're missing communicate like a like a very detailed communication was missing because of the transition and and then the team just felt like hey if we ever get the opportunity to go back to danish and the opportunity happen then we should just do it because it would be a lot easier for us and the team chemistry and all of that so and then i i cannot go against that even though it would as you said like it would help me a lot to go full english and all of that but uh, the team goes above and if they want that and i just have to deal with it then it's no problem for me as well but uh, just being honest with you about the innocent as well the 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 all the all the situation unfolded it was just that we we tried a lot of options during the player break before we actually got into innocent and he knows that it's not a secret like uh, there's nothing wrong with him it's just we tried a lot of the danish options many of them didn't want didn't even want to consider us or talk to us or they were asking for crazy amount of money salary wise compensation and that kind of stuff which wasn't really aligned with what the we were willing to offer and uh, apart from that then we tried the lecro situation which is actually true like we spent a lot of time with lecro and we were actually really close of signing him but then kind of like last minute he chose to go to north and i would say that we spent close to three weeks on the negotiation with lecro wow. which wasn't efficient because like usually you want to have a lot of backup plans and be talking to multiple people at the same time but we really believed that we could make it happen and and then in the end that was during the player break right so we kind of spent three weeks from the player break uh considering that we okay we would move on with lecro and then you might ask me like yeah but lecro is a swedish guy with uh, how it would be in the communication thing but lecro was actually willing to learn danish and he he was willing to learn danish and he know he understands a few words it's not like it's completely different the languages but he was willing to take classes or whatever needed in order to communicate in in, in danish so it was just perfect for us and then last minute that situation happened and then we're just kind of like desperate trying to approach different people and talking to different people and then it came down to the roster lock of cologne that was really really tight uh, i think we had like uh, five days or something to figure out a new player and then we just figured that the innocent uh, innocent was one of our options and then but uh, we we made it happen and I don't think it was necessarily bad. I think we actually delivered some decent results with him. We just didn't have time to to develop even a map pool or like a, actually build a a proper team with him. Basically. Sure. Prof or Strike, you guys any got anything here before we we dip into more of the recent stuff? I want to just say that it's uh, amazing that North actually like beat someone, not maybe on the server, but to a player. That is actually like something we didn't hear about for for some time. This is like a big win for Dorg. So congratulations on, on like that snatch, I guess. Yeah. I was just I was gonna ask about uh, how I guess the public perception of Mad Lions was for a long time that you you know it was a team that had like a massively bright future. You know that was supposed to be the next big team from from Denmark. So, but I'm not saying that it wasn't uh, grounded. Obviously everybody saw the potential and stuff like that, but you never did win like a big, big event, or you never showed that you had what it takes to be like a top five team. It was just like, you were that top 10 team that could, you know, on a good day, take down some of the better teams, but didn't really do it consistently. It really didn't really show that you can do that consistently, you know? So did that kind of a pressure from, from the community have its toll or take its toll on the team? Um, I think, Yes, especially before Flashpoint. I think that uh, when we 
situation with Honden, then there was a lot of pressure on us for sure. But then after Flashpoint, after we won Flashpoint uh, with a Cillian, then I don't feel like there was uh, the pressure to get on us or anything like that. I think uh, you're right that when you when you when you say what I said, like it's not like we accomplished uh, the results we all wanted and that I expected and we all expected in the in the team. I think the situations with the roster changes is the thing that affected us the most because. Like first we lose Bobski, which was a very important player, like a very important piece to the team. And I think we kind of, at least myself, like I can speak for myself, like I kind of underestimated the the importance that Bobski had in the team and the space that he created for the team back then. Uh, I like I could definitely see that he was very talented and all of that, but once we lost him and then we were figuring out like how to play without him and the the space that he created, then actually we realized that uh, how important that was. Um, so yeah, a lot of credit to him about that. And then I think those the roster changes are the thing that affected us the most. Losing Bobski and then constantly uh, changing in-game leaders. And then the thing about changing in-game leaders is that it's not like you change one player and then you just say like, hey, this is your spots and these are our threats and this is the system, how it works. Uh, let's get to practice and then it takes some time. But yeah, when you change an in-game leader, it's basically a whole new system that needs to be developed. The map pool changes because suddenly the in-game leader that's coming, he doesn't like to play a map that uh, we were really good at before. And then how do we force this new guy to get comfortable on a map that he's not necessarily really comfortable? And then we have to kind of like combine both systems we had before. And usually that doesn't work that well because the like I actually feel like the the in-game leader needs to have a stronger voice and how he wants to play and needs to be 100% comfortable in order to deliver and to make sure that the, the players are also believe on him as an IGL. So that definitely is the, I, I think it's the most important factor of why, oh, sorry, did uh, my camera go out? Uh, I think uh, may, may have lagged out. Okay, let me, just, uh, let me just plug it in again. Lucas, Mr. Producer Man, good. Now you gotta tell us if there's a problem. Is that we, do we have problems? Okay. Well, these problems, are they easy to fix? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, that's all right. We can fix the problems quite easy. We're going to throw to another bumper soon anyway, and we'll try and fix it in that time. So we'll just continue forward right now. Uh, did, did you get the answer you were looking for there, Striker? Yeah, sure. Okay. So before we before we get to that bumper, I want to ask a couple more questions, and then we'll uh, talk about Hooksy and Refresh, and then we'll throw to the next bumper, and we'll uh, we'll fix the webcam issue. Shouldn't be too many dramas. Uh, just quickly, the Lecro decision, or the Lecro having him as a player, obviously you guys were keeping Asilian at that point, right? But was there any thought that maybe if Lecro was to come in, that he could take over in-game leading, or was he just going to be a frag within the team? Oh, like, definitely. The, the idea was that he would be... Um, that he he would probably be the in-game leader. Like, uh, it was kind of, it, it was very difficult. Like, uh, at first place, we would try to stick with Asylian as in, as an in-game leader and see how it goes. But uh, and then with Lecro being kind of like the the second voice, and then but uh, Lecro at first place, he said that he was willing to do anything, role-wise. And then uh, we obviously we thought that. In the future, if anything happens and we need like a second voice in the team, or if anything happens and he's good at Danish and all that, then why not just uh, give the guy a try? Like uh, he has done it uh, for NIP, and we knew that he he definitely is not like he would be completely uh, out of his comfortable zone. So, yeah. Okay, and then I guess we can move forward because obviously you guys replaced Asilian uh with, with hooksy to take over but the game. Sponge been very critical of Asilian now, and that timing and him in general. 
I want to, I want to, I want to just preface that a little bit more. I was critical because Asilian, in my mind, came into the team to be an upgrade of firepower over Hunden. And statistically speaking, Peacemaker, he was not a firepower upgrade over Hunden, really. Yeah. Maybe like a little bit. What what was holding him back from being able to frag? Yeah, I think with Asilian, it was, I don't know, man. <laughs> to be honest, there's multiple things. But yeah. with Asilian, it was a combination of the way that I, I think that the way that he wanted to play uh, and that's something with a CDM that like he he's a very structured in-game leader who wants things to be like in the right place at the right time and everything needs to be kind of like a, as he wants in order for him to be feel 100% comfortable and calling and all of that which is not necessarily bad like I just think that uh, uh, one of the things that would happen in the, in the team is that pl the players, they like to have freedom and they like to be able to commit mistakes here and there and do things. And that's something that uh, took a toll on everyone in the team, kind of, that uh, we, when we committed mistakes, then we were like reviewing. And Asilian uh, really wanted things to be fixed and he was uh, harsh when needed, uh, which I don't think is bad, but I think... The taking care of the team and making sure that uh, everything was in the right place and everything was as he wanted, I think that took a toll on him because he spent a lot of time trying to figure out team stuff instead of focusing on his performance. So that's one of the reasons. And besides that, I just feel like uh, I think Asilian, when he joined the team, he actually delivered deliver, like uh, decently in Flashpoint. I think he was okay. Uh, it's not like he underperformed or anything. Like there in Flashpoint, we actually felt that the the firepower that we all expected from, in, in terms of increasing between Hunden and him, actually was there. But after that, I feel like all the team stuff and all the things with the roster change with Bobski and all of that, I think that definitely affected him on an individual level. And that's basically it. Like, I don't want to criticize him too much. No. I think uh, it's the team, uh, the, the situation with the team affected him. And besides that, like, the only thing is that I don't know if a Cillian is ready yet to compete among like against the best teams in the world and there's no offense to him it's just like uh, when we started playing against higher opposition then uh, he wasn't delivering as good as he as I believe he, he can but uh, yeah there's multiple factors and I hope that he can he can now when he's back into flames I hope that he can build the system that he wants and then get more experience competing competing against the best teams and maybe improve his individual level a little bit yeah Okay, so so was a part of getting a new in-game leader coming in here, Hooksy, with refresh. It was a part of that kind of like to give a, a breath of fresh air to the to the whole team. It's like now it's with two new players. It's almost not a new project, but it gives you a chance to actually have a new direction and a new game plan and almost start from scratch in a lot of ways. Is that kind of the way this has been taken? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely the way it's been taken. Like uh, we. As I told you, like we wanted to go back to Danish and then when there's not many game leaders out there in Denmark where we felt that uh, was was what we needed and what the team wanted so in terms of uh, the reasoning behind getting Hooksy and Refresh was first that we really wanted Refresh in the first place even before uh, when we when all the situation with Bobski started happening like we re really wanted Refresh and back then Refresh wasn't really interested like he was uh, he had uh, his concerns and wasn't really up to joining us and then when when basically the situation with Refresh happened and we, f we figured out that we could get him, then we're like, okay, getting Refresh uh, definitely really good. Um, and then I think that Hoy 
uh, not I don't think like Hoy worked with Hooksy before and told me a lot of good things about him. And then also when we spoke with Refresh, he also said a lot of good things about Hooksy as an IGL and how he controls the team and how he wants to play and all of that. And I think the way that Hooksy wants to play and the way he thinks about CS, so far at least, it's very aligned to the way that I want to play as well. But it's very aligned more with like modern CS and the way that teams are playing nowadays. Not necessarily with that much structure, like kind of like combining structure with a very loose... Uh, the style and giving people freedom to commit mistakes and to do plays and that kind of stuff. And I feel like that's something that we lacked. We had a player that did that, which is Bobski, but the rest of the team was kind of like uh, stuck in between like uh, committing a mistake and trying to do things or not. And right now I feel like our team, we have the players 100% comfortable to do moves and to commit mistakes and to try uh, to take risks and all of that. And I think that's very aligned to, to how the best teams in the world are playing all this. Okay, so looking at the team now, uh, for those people uh, playing at home, uh, obviously Refresh and Hooksy have come in to join Acor, Roy, and Shush. Now, we were talking about it on the show and trying to work out what, what would happen with player changes. Now, we didn't dive into the new roster that you guys have, have put forward too much, but is Refresh kind of doing the job of Bubsky now? Is that is that how that's sorted? Or, or is Shush taking more space? Like, What's going on with, with the players and the roles? Wait, can you guys see me now? Oh. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I think okay. so. We think okay. we're good. Perfect. Yeah, we can. Let we can see you as well. There we go. Right. Yeah. I just fixed my camera. Sorry. Wonderful. Uh, sorry. Can you repeat the question again? Uh, just now with the team and the makeup of the players. So you, you guys have played. Let me just have a look here. Five officials so far. Five maps of Counter Strike. Refresh is the highest rated player. Is he taking Bubsky's spots, or is it like Shush is taking more room? Like, what's what's going on with the with the makeup of the players and the roles? Yeah, Obviously, uh, Acor still offing. Yeah, Agar still opening and doing his thing. Uh, yeah, uh, Refresh took uh, all Bubsky roles, and it's something that Refresh feels really comfortable on doing. And that's why we really wanted him. Like, uh, Refresh is... Like, Refresh is... is not as aggressive as Bubsky, I would say. Like, uh, taking the risk that Bubsky takes, because sometimes Bubsky would uh, just do stuff that is... Like, works really well, but also can lose your rounds. And that, that was uh, something that sometimes we had issues with. And Refresh is more like uh, the player that we, we create moves for him, and then he is 100% comfortable in doing them. But everything is kind of like pre-planned, and then we make sure that he has all the space and all the room he wants. But everything is kind of like discussed before. It's not like he's doing something completely random that will uh, completely affect the outcome of a round. So yeah, uh, then Hooksy in game leading and in map control and controlling the pieces, and yeah, Refresh just doing most of Bubsky roles. All right, easy. Uh, boys, you got any questions before we wrap this up, move to the recent news? No, I think we actually like talked a lot about Mad Lions, which is surprising. We kind of It's a team we kind of forget about a lot, but there is a lot to process. I think there is still a lot probably to come out about the team in the future, about Hunden and all of that situation. But uh, some of that will probably remain for the future, I guess. <laughs> I guess we got a little while until we uh, we have to worry about what those bits and pieces. Uh, we got it in there within 35 minutes, bits and pieces. Nice. All right, Lucas, throw to the bumper. We'll be back in a minute.
Welcome back. You guys must be enjoying the ads. Uh, you must be loving them. They must be really, really good. You guys are big fans of the show and thus you're going to be big fans of the ads, right? Yes, that's the answer. Anyway, let's get stuck into the recent news. Now, some big shit has happened in a week. Who would have thought Counter-Strike doesn't stop? Now, where should we start? Let's start with uh, Yanko exiting phase. Now, Striker, did you read his, uh, his statement? Uh, I don't honestly remember exactly what it said, but it's it kind of makes the move kind of made sense to me. Now, what? Why do you? Well, let's let's quickly surmise it for people at home. So Yanko was part of the phase roster. Uh, Nico went to G two, and Yanko, uh, with that move, basically stepped down. Now, um, why why do you think that made sense, Striker? What 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 about that? Did you think was a, a good decision? Just because it was pretty clear that. I'm not saying that it was a package deal, but obviously Nico was a big part of why YNK was on that team and uh, um, and why those two worked together, obviously as the IGL and the coach. So for them to both leave at the same time just makes makes sense to me. Bianco is probably not that committed into the team anymore. And uh, obviously after the results that they've uh, they've had recently, I think it make, it's fair to say that, that, that he would want to, so, or fair to assume that he would want to try something else in the future. So everything together about this just makes sense to me. But like looking at this here, the decision coming on through from Yanko to step down, do you think that speaks uh, obviously to his relationship with Nico, but to the some of the problems that Nico highlighted in that interview with HLTV.org? Uh, just for Shriker? Oh, for anybody, fucking... I, I've got some noise going on outside right I'll, now. I can't actually hear anything. <laughs> I'll say that I think... like. It would be nice if uh, Yanko stayed on just to see like how what kind of impact he would have with Nico not being there. Uh, and from like my like personal point of view, just I would, I'd like to see that so I can like compare what what is going on, right? But I understand completely why he would have left because if you look at the almost two years that he spent in phase, it started with the, like the Neo actually a Dren first and Neo right that was mm -hmm. the order uh, as stand-ins for almost a year uh trying to like have neo as the game leader which didn't work so he was just like playing for some time then like constantly searching for like the the solution which they didn't get they got colzera which we all know wasn't the solution to be the in-game leader right it was just a cool signing but it wasn't the the solution to their problems and then in brokey they actually got up pretty good opera that actually fits their system i think extremely well for free which is the kind of where they lucked out i think and but, but yeah, they just never completed that that thing. And for Yanko to leave, I completely understand it, just to try something new and, and just have a fresh start somewhere. Because again, being in this situation where now you have to replace Nico with who and how, that, that is just probably going to be another nightmare or a couple of months of just like going through people and, and searching for a fit, right? Well, it'd be like starting again. Right. Obviously, they haven't had an in-game leader for so long and they've been doing their, their best to kind of keep the wheels on. And with all the rumors about players going elsewhere or the possibility for players to be going elsewhere, um, I can see why why he would have done it. Now, Peacemaker, do you think Yanko goes on to coach another team? And if so, do you think there are any names out there that, that could be waiting for him? Yeah, just uh, real quick about, about Yanko. I was actually... Like I, I agree with you guys that I think that uh, it makes sense that he he left and all of that, but I I actually wanted to see Yanko maybe continue for some more time, and like it's safe to say that like I I feel like Phase never really had a 
Like at least while Yanko was there, didn't have a, like a proper in-game leader who, that would take care of the team and control everything. Like a guy like Kerrigan, for example, would come in and and, and probably have a system built and uh, around him. Then I, I I actually wanted to see if Yanko could develop the team together with a night with a real in-game leader. Uh, not taking any credit out of Nico, but like we can see even in the interview that it's not like he he was really happy with it or or anything like that. So. Yeah, uh, but moving on, like I definitely think that Yanko uh, definitely has his his, uh, his strengths. Like that's no, there's no question to that. Like if he coached the MBR and then he coached Phase now, and Phase has been competing on a high level for quite some time, up and downs, but uh, still there. Uh, and I think that uh, moving forward, I don't know, I don't know. Like uh, it, it's kind of difficult right now. Like I could see. I could actually see him moving to a to a different project like the Cloud Nines of the Worlds, but now they have Kassad and stuff. I don't know. It definitely it would have to be something that makes a lot of sense and that he where he would have the space that I feel like he likes in order to control the team and all of that. Like we saw back in the days with the MIBR where he even gave I think an interview saying that the the team wasn't really open to his ideas or something yeah. like that. So I think moving forward, if he decides to continue to coach. It would have to be for someone who is really open-minded to to listen to him. Uh, I think definitely he has a really good mind for the game. Like back in the days when he was an analyst, I loved uh, hearing his thoughts about the game and all of that. So definitely a really smart guy. And yeah, uh, but I, I don't really know like if there's any. That's any one team that's missing a coach right now, which is Mouse Sports. That would make like that's the most true. sense, I guess, at this point, just because it's a European roster, obviously, like English speaking and stuff like that. That's the team that he would. That's the most obvious one, but I'm not entirely sure if that's the, the, the best fit necessarily. It's just an option for sure. That, that's a good point. I, I think that when you look at, when you especially with what Peacemaker was saying, when you look back at MIBR not having a lot of control of the team, then you look at FaZe. This is fr from what I was reading between the lines with the interview with, with Nico, is that uh, it didn't seem like FaZe wanted to splash around the cash or you know even lost out on certain deals, right? So with that in mind they had, he had two issues in in back-to-back -back teams both hamstringing them from getting necessarily the players they needed mouse sports at this point with that team as it is are they like i guess they're still in their infancy with bemis in the roster and you already have a strong game leader in carrigan so it could be one way where he could slot in quite nicely but uh i, I guess that's that's going to be up to to him so i've i obviously used to speak with yanko all the time it's not something that we do anymore so i don't actually know what his plans are, are going to be looking about but i wouldn't mind segueing this uh conversation striker into um the, the nico interview right yeah. uh, so you were saying before that there are a lot of takeaways from that that, that hadn't been expressed is there are a couple of those that you wouldn't mind like giving us summarizing for the audio listeners i mean just the the, first of all, just the pressure that, that was on him from, from the community was very clear that he wanted to get off his chest and get away from, you know, with this move to G2, just because obviously there's been a lot of criticism about FaZe and him being the IGL and him being like the face of the team. And I feel like a lot of people were, I'm not saying that it's unfair. Obviously the results spoke for themselves. They didn't really do what they wanted, but at the same time, they, like you were saying, I think they were getting hamstrung a lot with uh, the players that they were able to get. And this is something that I said on Twitter as well, which is that it's pretty clear from the, from the latest three signings that FaZe just didn't want to spend any more money on, on big buyouts and on, on the players that FaZe actually needed to, to become a better team that they were. Like, considering who they got, you know, looking at Brokey, that's entirely unproven at the time. You know, he actually worked out really well for 
um, for the player that he was, you know, coming from FBL entirely unproven on a, on a team level, especially at this level that that, that phase are in. And he ended up being a, a really good addition. Obviously, Bimas not so much, but at the same time, he was also put in roles that didn't really fit him. You can also put that to the team and, you know, put like Nico at blame, you know, for not moving the pieces around to accommodate him a little bit better. But you have to take into consideration how much time they had, whether they even considered Bimas to be a viable option for the future, like a long-term option. And then there's the Kerbira signing that I think was simply a signing that they had to take just because he was like the best firepower option that was actually available for free and not somebody who you had to pay a lot for. And it's just like, you just can't get good IGLs for free at this point. Like every good IGL that is out there is signed to a team. And even Alex, who isn't necessarily with a team because he was on the bench for Vitality, his buyout was clearly massive. And that that didn't work out probably because of uh, of the money that, that, that was tied into it. So I feel like Nico is getting a lot of flack and he was feeling it a lot for, in, in phase. And it is a big part of the reason why he left and why he joined G2. Yeah, I, I think if we if we take a look at this as a as a whole, I think we might have some issues. Are there audio? There might be some audio issues right now, Lucas. Yeah, you're Are fine. We, with, you're fine with with us. Oh, like a, we can hear you just fine. Striker, we just messed up. Just okay. keep it going. All right. I thought I th- never mind. I was reading Twitch chat for once. You should never do that, guys. I've learned my <laughs> lesson. I've been baited into it. Um, when we were talking about phase in this interview, so uh, we, I, I wouldn't mind digging more into the the move of Nico to G two as well, and getting your take on this um, peacemaker because uh, we've discussed it on the show before, and I think that we assumed uh, that it was Amanek who was who was going to be removed, and uh, that was who Nico was going to be replacing. But the more that you think about it, the more that you know you, you take a look at the the team as a whole, just from a role and player perspective, it might make more sense for Nico to be slotting into to more of like Jax's type positions. What what do you take on this? They they did actually say did? like Malik had like yep. a short comment where he said that the plan is to have <laughs> hold six players for the, uh, the end of uh, until the end of the year, and then they tr- try out Nico and uh, Nico and Dominic and Nico and Jax. I think that's the better the two combinations. The re- the other three are are safe from what I understand. Yeah, and then well, all four are safe, including Nico. Just to clarify, yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, and and then they'll see what fits better better, and then they'll decide for like the roster for two twenty one. Nico basically confirmed this as well in that interview. Just to just to add on to that, which is he essentially said that Amonic and Jax were gonna go, gonna have the exact same role. Uh, you know what when, when whichever one plays, like the rest of the team is gonna be exactly the same role wise, and just Amonic and Jax are gonna fit into that last role, which I imagine is just going to be the same role that kind of Jax had because Nico said he was going back to lurking in that interview as well which means it has to be Jax's role that is going to be filled, you know, between Amonic and Jax, and they figure out who actually fits it better, who's going to do it better. Uh, and uh, Nico's going to slot more into, like, Amonic's old roles and, and and switch around a little bit more with that, you know, with him being being kind of uh, on the on the anchor and and, uh, and on the lurking side, on the T side. So that's basically the deal. Okay, so let's try and frame the question this way. Peacemaker, from the top of, like, your head, from what you've seen and knowing of the players, who do you think will fit the team better here, Amanek or Jax? Which one do you reckon will stay? This is kind of like us doing like uh, one of those shows where we get to vote someone off. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense if uh, Amanek stays on the team. Okay. I think uh, yeah. I think Amanek like he he does roles for the team, and I I kind of feel like Amanek is one of those players that he's kind of like underrated. 
Like I, I've worked with him back then in Misfits, and I I know I knew that he was really good, and he, but he just didn't get the enough credit back then. And I feel like once he got the opportunity to join G2, I think he actually delivered pretty well for quite some time. Uh, and then everybody was kind of talking about him, how good he was, and stuff like that. And then I think uh, he went up and uh, up and up and downs in terms of performance. And then, but role-wise, I think it makes a lot of sense if uh, Amanex stays and uh, they, I don't know, if, if they're gonna try to make it work like a six-man roster, just like uh, Vitality and uh, Astralis and whatever. Like, uh, then for me, that's fine as long as as long as Nico gets to do what he excels the most. And that's my that's my concern. It's just that like, I mean, Nico is for sure very very talented, and he can do anything. Like we saw it back in the days where he was opping and in-game leading and going everywhere and doing crazy things. So like, definitely he can do any any roles as long as he wants and works hard for it. But the thing is that with Nico, I feel like he needs to have first. I think that Nico needs to be like the second voice in the team, purely based on his experience and all of that it requires him to be very active so if him and the nexa uh, become a good combo and they 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 are aligned with each other and they 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 get to do nico gets to do the stuff that he likes as a lurker then that's fine but i, I would also be curious to see if in the long run this is going to work out for him as a lurker or if they will try to maybe move the pieces around and maybe i don't know who knows if nico will be a part of the map control in certain maps maybe simply because of the fact he can deliver a lot individually and maybe also help Nexa in that sense. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know, like definitely, I'm very curious to see how he's going to develop as a lurker. It's uh, it's a single question mark. We'll see later today, right? They, oh, they yeah, yeah, play. Yeah. yeah, so like we'll see later today how it goes. But uh, I think in the long run, I wouldn't be surprised if in between maps, Nico could possibly do different roles uh, also on the city side, right? Like Nico, I see Nico as a guy that needs space in order to 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 perform. And then if you put him on on as an anchor, then it could be one of those situations where people try to people only go on the other side of the map or try to to do stuff like that. And then Nico feels kind of useless because he's an anchor, he's not getting much action, and he is a player that, in my eyes, he should be constantly in the action simply because he's really really good. So we we'll, we we'll, we gotta wait and see how it goes. I, I I wouldn't mind grabbing a point that you just made there, especially the one about you know having Nico as the second voice. Now, if we look back at his previous teams, obviously Mouse Sports and Phase, we'll use those two examples. The more vocal Nico became because the team couldn't keep up with his output, the team eventually still became rocky, right? I I, I think that that can be seen in both of those equations. So, Prof, I'm going to throw this one to you. Based off of what Peacemaker was just saying there, that he feels that he needs to be more of a second voice in the team or, or having the roles where he is the most comfortable, do you think, A, that that's what G2 are thinking is the option? And if not, well, actually, give give me the first answer, then I'll I'll work out where I'm going with it. So do, do you think that G2 is expecting Nico to like sit in a site on Mirage under balcony and chill there and wait for the execute and kill two guys. Is well, that like what, what I'm talking what, about? What I'm trying to go in the direction of here is 
do you think that they're going to allow Nico to come into the team as Nico, or do you think they're going to have him come into the team as, yeah, you're a good player, but you're in our team, and Malik's going to have the reins here and, and tell him where you know where they need the gaps, I think, or where Malik sees him used best. Yeah, I think this. that's I think that's the, I think that's the plan, like for Malik yeah. to put him put him in roles where he needs to be, and for Nico to shut up when he needs to shut up. I think he mentioned something like that in the interview. Like if if Nico if Nexus tells me to shut up, I'll shut up and won't won't say anything. But so, sorry, at the same time, yeah, go for it. It doesn't have to be that, like, even if you think something like this is going to be like that, even if both sides want it to be like that, doesn't mean it will work like that when you get into the server, right? So, I don't know. At the same time, uh, Nico also said that that G2 are trying to get away a little bit more from the structured way that they were approaching the game in the last, I don't know what it is now, a year or something, that they've had this lineup and they're trying to get a little bit more freedom with this addition of Nico. So it's pretty clear that they are willing to change quite a bit uh, just to accommodate a player like Nico into the team, which I think makes a lot of sense because like Peacemaker said, I think Nico is the kind of a player who needs a lot of space or maybe not a lot of space, but just a lot of freedom to to do create his own space, essentially, because he's always been that kind of a player who didn't necessarily need people around him to help him, but he just needed the freedom to, you know, uh, go out and make moves and, and make individual plays, essentially. That's 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 basically what Nico has been, whether in mouse sports when he was in that lurking, more of a lurking role, or in phase where, where he was a bit more, you know, with the pack and stuff like that. So this one here, Striker, I want to pivot it to because we're talking about lots of like in-game things right now, and we're talking about like roles and who's going to fit what positions better. We're discussing the fact that Amanek is obviously a very good player, but there would be overlap there with Nico and doing like secondary orping, right? Because we know Kenny's going to be primary orping. In the past, yeah. it was just Amanek who was doing secondary. Next, he didn't Hunter. do it much though. Like they didn't actually Mirage, do secondary orping too much. Yeah. Mirage CT side, you know, was a map where they where they'd yeah. use it. Like it wasn't something that they'd obviously pull out like whenever they felt like like Vitality having shocks and fucking Zywu do it every, you know, couple of rounds. I feel like they're they're more gonna use it as as like an X Factor thing when Nico feels to feels feels it, you know, picks it up, wants to do some make some moves in there, he's gonna pick it up. I don't feel like I mean, I've never thought of Amonic as much of a much of a secondary opera. I yeah. feel like he just did it because they kind of needed an op potentially on the other side of the map every now and again, and that's about it. He wasn't like a massive impact uh, impact player on the on the op when he had it. Well, that that's kind of where I'm, I'm going with this because, like, from that perspective, in terms of what Nico can bring, he overlaps with some of Amonek's, you know. Uh, uses as well and then there's another point here which i think we haven't really touched on is it's quite clear i know Jax is one of the older players uh, within the team people haven't heard of him for you know he hasn't been around forever but he is he's an older guy all things considered um con- with his professional career but he always looks like he is um i don't want to say the life of the party that's not what i mean it always looks like he's just a happy-go-lucky kind of guy who i think is really important for players in the team in terms of mood like uh, just watching, I look at a lot of players' social media, right? Because I like to keep track of what they're doing. You're talking about are. Jax. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so okay. Jackson... Because I, I, th- I thought you started with Amonic, and then I was like, that's perfectly <laughs> Jax. That doesn't make any sense with Amonic. Yeah. But... So, so with with Jax being that level of an individual and having Nico come in, knowing that now there's going to be like, I, I, I want to be careful. Well, no, I don't want to be careful with this. Like, there's obviously going to be a boys' club within the team now, right? There would have been before. It probably would have been the three Frenchies, you know, who all you maybe assume that they get along quite well. But now that's going to shift, right? Obviously, Hunter and Nico, they're bloody cousins. And the next is part of that gang. Like, do you think that there's going to be any issues? Like, because there are going to be problems, right? Do you, do you see that keeping somebody like Jackson, who's a good mood uh, bringer, uh, that's probably the best way I could put it, is, is important for a team like this? 
I don't know. I like the idea of this question. It. it was so long. No, I mean, my point I like, is, I, I understand the comparison point. of Amanek and Jax, right? Jax is going to bring a lot more to the team from that perspective. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he definitely felt like the heart of the team alongside Kenny S, I would say, um, you know, in terms of, you know, being kind of out there and, and, and having fun uh, and things like that. So for sure, I can see the, I see, I can see your point. Um, whether that's going to be a problem if he's out, I'm not entirely sure just because that there's I mean, also a there's also Malik behind the team who's kind of balancing things out and stuff like that in terms of like you know who's in power. Obviously, G two are more of a setup where where like the leadership is in power, where like the management and the coaching staff isn't has has that kind of uh, has the deciding uh, power. So I feel like in terms of balance, it's going to be just fine whoever they pick, whoever whether it's Amonic or Jax. Jax. Uh, but in terms of the mood, I can see where you're coming from. That, that there's definitely going to be a shift depending on which one they which way they go because Monic. I feel like it's like the almost the opposite of of Jackson in that case where he's a yeah. lot more shy or not shy but you know quiet um and things like that. Okay, I have something also to add because you mentioned uh, like being like a boys not a boys club but like having like groups within the team. Yeah. One of the things when I talked to Malik, I don't know if this was on an interview or just like privately but I, I don't think he minds sharing. Uh one of the things he did for the lands that they had when they built this like Serbian French team is like the deal was to always split up the the rooms with like having like one Serbian, one French guy. So they also to speak like English and also to, just to like get the, the guys to like kind of mesh together better. So I think I'm an, I mean, Malik is pretty, pretty smart in, in those kinds of things in terms of like interpersonal relationships. So I think he, he's going to be smart with that. But like, I think we can just go around to finalize this and, and say, who we think is gonna stick in the roster yeah and like start with peacemaker just like give our predictions to who is gonna be the fifth player then for for g2 i think it's gonna be amanek i think it just makes more sense and just one one quick thought is that uh, amanek might look like introspective from outside like uh, when you guys look at him but i think I, I don't know how good his english is that's one thing that maybe it's one of the reasons why he could be kind of like kind of look like introspective in social media and that kind of stuff. He's not really a social media guy, but uh, in the team, like I feel like if he's comfortable and all that, he he is as fun as Jax. Like uh, at least when I work with him, like that guy is really really funny. Like and he also sets up a good mood. So I don't know who knows how it is inside the team, right? But I think that role wise and after all we, what we talked about, I just think it uh, it makes more sense that Amanek sticks around. Um, yeah, that's my opinion. Okay, he got striker. I actually think it's more of Jax that's going to fit just because of what I was saying earlier, just because there are more clashes between Amonic and Nico. And in terms of what Amonic used to do on the team and what Nico is now going to do, I feel like there would be a lot of clashes. So I guess it depends on whether Amonic is going to be able to take over more of uh, or more of Jax's role and how that's going to fit him. That's going to decide things. But I feel like role-wise, it makes more sense for Jax to be in and to, to be the first guy in and help and be the, like, the bait for Hunter and, and things like that. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with you there on the Jax one, but we also don't know today who they're using. Uh, as per your website, it's got Hunter, Kenny, Nexa, Nico, yeah, and TBA. So they could even swap in between maps like we saw Vitality doing earlier. But I think Jax in the long run will probably outlast. And I think that the interpersonal, just the stuff I've seen, like I think that Jax would win out in that one if it was like a bachelorette type situation. He'd be the one getting given the rose. Who, who you got, Prof? I think uh, I think actually communication wise, I think Amanek is better in the in, in English, right, than Jax. I think yes. that is the thing that goes his way. I think roles depends also on CTT side, like on on depending on on what 
there are going to be like more clashes with one or the other. I think Amanek could though become like on the T side, just there, like run in and die guy. Yeah. Like he, he can do, he does that already with a Mac 10 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's comfortable doing that. So I think that is, I mean, Jax also can do that, but I think Amanek can step into that role if they decide to remove Jax. So I think that that gives me like now thinking about it. Initially, I was thinking like Amanek is out. So maybe now, now thinking, maybe leaning more to like Jax is out, Amanek stays. Okay. All right. I feel cool. like both both make sense from, from certain points of view, for sure. The yeah. communication part, I think, is a big one as well, just because it's always been something that's kind of hung over, over Jax's head, you know, with his English being kind of, you know, iffy and not, not perfect. At the same time, like, I, I've never had, I've never had a different feeling with Amanek because he's never been um, one to do interviews and stuff like that. He's never been particularly uh, prone to doing that as well. Uh, and people have said that he's not particularly comfortable with English either. So I'm not sure if there's a massive difference, but yeah, it could be a factor as well, for sure. All right, let's wrap this up on G2 and uh, the whole phase situation. Let's move this forward. Cause in recent news, we also had something coming out of the uh, 100 Thieves core. Uh, so that is Gratis Faction, Azza and Liaz. They're the three who uh, have been left over since Jacob went and joined Apex and JKS has gone and playing for complexity. Um, now, there was a rumor, or there was a report, not a rumor, uh, that came out about uh, Lias potentially going to Genji. Now, the, the new stuff around the 100 Thieves core is uh, a team called Extremum. Is that is that how we're saying it? Extremum? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Interesting. I went to the, the Twitter and stuff, and they have like a decent chunk of followers, but fuck all interaction. Uh, <laughs> so when I do that and I see that, it normally makes me very skeptical because I've never heard of them before. Um, I'm pretty ignorant. I know that, but uh, look, they have like a C or had a CIS team. They did. It was a. It's a Russian organization. Okay. Uh, so what do we know check. about them? Not much, to be honest. I just know they that they're Russian. A... They have some like big, like investor behind them or something. But I just don't, I don't really know too much more. Okay. Same. So what's the team, Prof? Do you know? They don't have it anymore, but they okay. have. I'm having a look. Okay, so they played some matches. The last thing they played was on the 23rd of August in 2020. Uh, they had waterfalls from uh, okay. TB Fire fame. And yep. then like four guys, you and Koshak, the guy that played in China. Yes. Um, so, and then three guys, probably no one heard of. Okay. Uh, but they had a team uh, in this year and they have like some weirdly cool, edgy social media like presence. If you saw like they have like cool graphics and everything and then yeah. The team is just like the results are nowhere near that level. So that was kind of weird to me, but it, it okay. looks very streetwear type situation. Is going yeah, on yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm That's actually looking at like their historic rosters and like last, late last year, they even had uh, Jimko and Valina. So kind okay. of like a QB fire core, I guess you could call it. Okay, so they, they have some money and we know they're from Russia. So that's what we know, but let's Pretty talk much. about what this means. So let's just assume that everything's above board and they can get like a decent deal and they have money to spend. Well, this trio are going to need two more players. Now, first of all, Peacemaker, do you think this trio should stay together or do you think they should try and find homes elsewhere? Honestly, it's so hard to judge because I don't know, like, chemistry-wise, how, how good they fit together. Apparently, they are really good friends and they have been around for such a long time, but... I personally feel like they would probably benefit the most by going separate ways. Simply because I feel like a guy like AZR, for example, he can definitely get a opportunity somewhere else as an in-game leader. I think a lot of teams would probably uh, benefit a lot from having a guy like him. Um, and then, yeah, I, I feel like it would make more sense in my mind without knowing any context. 
that they go separate ways. And also because nowadays it's so hard to build a team. Uh, I mean, you of course, if you have money and big investor, that helps a lot. But they, that doesn't necessarily mean everything. Like sometimes, even though you have money, it's not like everyone wants to come just for the money. Like people are also looking to join a good team with a good project behind and team that they actually believe in. So I think to align all those pieces, it will have to be something that like uh, with a lot of money and with the two new pieces that I actually can think of right now, that would fit right into the system they want and all of that. So in my mind, it would be a lot easier yeah, going separate. Yeah, that that's a very good point. Is is what players are even like available for these guys to pick up? Prop, do you think they would dive back home and pick up some more like Aussies or New Zealanders or even people from Southeast Asia, or do you think they'd be looking to take this thing international? I don't know. I think the report said that they were looking for two European players to finalize the roster. So I think that kind of makes sense. I think it's easier, and if you're based in Europe already, why why not get pick up European players? It's just like. It's simpler and you know how like the, the players that you pick up are tested in the environment that they're going to be played in, playing in. Of course, I I mean, someone already was in chat saying like sponge, uh, like like quotation mark, blah, blah, get Dexter. I, <laughs> I like I would like to see that as well. But it's like it, it makes sense just to pick up some European talents, like any like FPL guys or whatever that you can get on the cheap and if they don't work you can like kick him and get new guys uh, but but it's it's a good start like if this org wants to be like good you pick up these three players and it's a very good start because what peacemaker is saying you can't really pick up like any top 100 player into extremum to build a lineup around him you need to pick up like a core and then add players to it otherwise it's not going to work so from that perspective i understand well, we, we know that Azza will be in-game leading, right? We know that Liaz can try and fill more of um, a, a star role. It, yeah, ish. See what potentially has playing positions he's comfortable with. Gratisfaction is always going to be a question mark, right, Striker? So, like, if, yeah. if you were spitballing, you don't even have to get free agents right now. But, like, uh, and obviously, you can't just say, or oh, add Simple and fucking Zywoo. But, like, <laughs> in, in terms of, like, players that might fit or might suit, like... I'm trying to think of who's kind of, at least kind of free or, like, could be could be potentially leaving us the play. It's really hard to really hard to remember anything or anybody who who could fit. Like we know Smooth is available on the Orp right now, right? But like yeah, but we, just I, on the yeah. other week. But and he and also said that he wanted to only who wanted to primary op, and I don't think Grad is um, would uh, would give it up. So doesn't really fit. Um, who else is on the market? I'm trying to. This That's is probably going to have to be like a bit of a deep deeper dive yeah. into like the European scene to find out like some star player from like i don't know ago or some shit and and pick him up or uh, like, i think they would probably end like up in a situation where they have to buy out yeah I'm, I'm thinking they would probably end up in a situation where they have they have to buy some uh, two players out of their contracts uh from one of these less uh known teams well, not less known but like tier two tier three teams like you said ago or i don't know along like those lines maybe from mad lines you have one guy's on contract innocent Maybe there you go. that's Sell a him. good... There you go. That, that could be a... Yeah. Uh, here's what we yeah. do. We teach Axiel and Mia English, and they can join. Yeah. Great. And, uh, like, as if Navi wouldn't buy them out if, if that was possible. 
Exile, I'm not maybe not, but Mir for sure would have been already bought out by somebody if it was possible. There is some fucking nuts talent in that CIS region. But the thing that, that bothers me about this is I think like Gen G right now, uh, like you look at who's on that team, Bente, Automatic, and Kusta. If they're not getting like Liaz plus another, like I thought it was going to be Liaz and Oba who were going to go to that team. I was like, yeah, Genji, they can be pretty sick. Like they could probably do some damage. They got some good players in there. But now if, if, the, if the boys want to stay together and they want to build a European team, like there's so many hurdles here. Like let's, let's just start with the initial hurdle is first of all, you're not even, you're residents in the US who now want to become residents somewhere in Europe, I would assume. Yep. During a global pandemic where you physically can't go back to your country of origin of Australia because you will not be able to leave without an exemption from the government to go anywhere else. Sounds like a Serbian boot camp to me. <laughs> That's what they all sound like, right? Yeah. But it's like, the what do you even do? Like, how do you make a decision of this magnitude right now? It is like the worst time to possibly be trying to do things. Like the JKS one was easy. It's like, yeah, you're joining, you're the fifth. We'll get you on a plane. You're Australian. The guys in the uk love you we'll get to the uk here you go play some games right like but to bring the core and then buy two new players and then make it work you saw what happened the other day with cloud nine they were boot camping and alex had to go home a couple of days in because france went oh we're locking everything down you know it's getting bad here in germany as well like it, it just seems like such a difficult time to, to make this happen so uh, look there's probably not too much we can dig into this because it's all just speculation so i i wish them the best of luck with it and maybe i'll message aaron and i'll try and get some information on it but all in all right now that's probably where we'll leave that news honestly did, uh, yeah, did mention in the chat i just want to do like a funny bit that oh actually striker you, you go first you're gonna say something not not well, dumb so yeah i'm not i wasn't gonna say something that dumb i was just expecting genji or not expecting but it would make sense for genji to get both liaz and aza yeah that would work as well. Then. Uh, obviously, it's fucked satisfaction because nobody will take him after that. Uh, I don't think that's the biggest problem to me. I see with Grat is that he doesn't really have the power to to you know replace like a good upper on a team or whatever. Like he's not that kind of a player, so he's gonna have a, have a hard time finding a team on his own. So I feel like that's why he would probably best uh, team up with Azar and Diaz and try to make a make a new team. But if if I was talking about um, how like the separate pieces could go together, it's definitely Diaz and Diaz and Azar. Genji because Genji are obviously also looking for an in-game leader or potentially unless uh unless automatic wants to take over the reins or or, or something. So yeah, just logically it makes sense. Was it Kuster in game leading? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Uh oh, okay. there's a question in chat. If Extreme create a team with three from Hundred Thieves, don't they have to go to NA to play the major qualifier tournaments? That is correct. Unless they want to just they can start. Choose. No, they have to if now that they have points. If they want to keep the points, they have to go to play to NA to play NA tournaments. Okay. Or they or can reset. just like just like reset, start from zero in Europe. Okay. Which uh. which kind of sucks from that perspective. If they want to be a European team. Also, someone pointed out in chat, and I remember seeing this when I was doing the article, I guess, on on the I don't know, one of the extremum teams. The the text that they have on their website is amazing. So I have to read it. Okay. We don't want to be the best esports brand. We are bigger than esports. We are young. We are fresh. We are the new generation. We are creating style. Why? Why are we doing all this stuff? The answer is simple. It's all about legacy. We are extremum. We are style. Join us. Follow us. Be a part of our family. Dude, I was looking at the bio, which says essentially like a part of this as well. I could just see the join us. And it's just, it just sounds like a cult, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's pretty funny. Look, I have to say. 
I'm a fan of money. Um, so if they have lots of it, why Barnes not? joins Extremum as coach. Let's look as long as I can be style. You know, I want to be style. Uh, that's what I'm looking for. They are, they are creating style. So that's what I'm looking can... for. Um, all right, we're gonna we're gonna move forward into some rumors. Uh, so what was going on the other day? Can anyone tell me? I just I, I just picked up my phone and I'm seeing all these fucking tweets and it's like mentioning Zen and all the players are like godsend are trolling about it and shit. And I'm like. What the fuck's going on? Is is there any legitimacy to this rumor? Uh, there, there is like there is definitely interest from from ants, and th this uh, this was the report. The report wasn't like Zen is signing; it was just like ants are interested, and Zen is probably to some degree interested because he's Finnish, I guess. I don't know, hmm. but. The, the, nothing more than that like the, the situation isn't really clear uh, i mean we did talk about it a couple of episodes ago when i mentioned like godsend are the team that people are gonna try to pick apart uh, at this moment just because they're as an organization probably on the lower lower tiers but the players they have are kind of above that and then all of the organizations the flashpoint teams the other teams that are making roster changes even like phase whatever they're going to be looking at them to to pick up the pieces that they need and at the same time, there is uh, FPX that are looking for a whole, whole complete roster. And that's also a thing that has been reported on. And it's like they are interested in buying out the whole whole lineup, which, of course, if Zen goes to ends, that complicates things, as it did with the asset tag going to going to Astralis from Heroic, like a couple like at the beginning of the year. So that's uh, just a very weird situation for Godsend uh, to be in right now, right? So let's let's break the problems down. Let's start with the first one. If Zen goes to end, so assumably, obviously, Ariel is no longer competing over there. Uh, but Zen's twenty eight. Is is he the solution? Do you think Peacemaker? Do you think him as a player is the part that Ants are looking for to to get more consistency or to be better as a team? I uh, actually surprised me that the, a guy like Zen, who has been in the scene for quite some time now, I remember him back in the days in Penta and all that. And surprisingly, he never really played for the likes of Ents or I, I actually never heard of uh, them even considering him. I don't know if there's any personality issues or anything like that, but I just found out that he was never considered. I remember we considered him back then in one of the teams I coached, but I don't remember who. But I, 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 I remember watching demos from him and it's not like he's bad or anything. I think he was actually pretty good. And now in Godsend, we saw him the other day. I don't remember who it was against, but he had a really good series. Yeah, uh, they recently. played Heroic yesterday, right? Yeah, exactly. So he had a really good series against Heroic. And actually, if you look statistically speaking, like uh, he is pretty okay. Some downs, but uh, he has delivering pretty good against top teams. And I mean, I don't know if in the long run, if it's exactly what they need. Like I'm always like when you pick up a older player like there's uh, different expectations that comes together with it and i don't think it's necessarily bad like just because it's, you're 20 years old 28 years old that uh, it's going to be a failure or anything like that it, it really comes down to if it fits role wise and if he would be really motivated to 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 leave a project like godsend uh, which seems pretty stable right now in order to join ends to compete and speak his uh, maybe uh, go back home and play with play for his home uh, team or something like that then maybe it would be interesting for him but uh, I don't see any issues like I think actually as I said I think he would have he should have got an opportunity way back and maybe that's the time that he he gets an opportunity to play there but in the long run obviously you want to always try to aim for getting young younger players 
who has more more time to develop and for the future basically like that that's kind of like how the business model works nowadays but uh yeah Okay, just yeah. to put things into perspective, right? Godsend are number 20, Ants are number 21. Yes. So that's what I was going to pivot to you with, Striker. is do you think if he was to go to Ants, would that be a better move than where he is now? Or I don't, would honestly, he be better off with Godsend? Honestly, I, I feel like he's better off where he is just because Godsend have, clearly have more potential in the future, I think. They also um, don't have a backband player. Well, that's, that's another factor for sure, yeah. So it's just I feel like staying with Godson is definitely the way to go, just because they've been they've been trending upwards for quite a long time now, and it, they have and really shown ways capable of... of these big upsets, right? Like yeah. when this is the last time ends, like they probably did manage one or two, but like Godson beat a lot of top teams in this year, not consistently, but like here and there. Yeah, exactly. But I think I, like I said, Godson are just trending upwards, while ends are more like at best stagnant, I guess you could say at this point. So it's just. It's kind of a no-brainer to me for, for for Zan to just remain, especially if he's getting like a big org behind him. If these FBX rumors come true, um, then even the the financial aspect wouldn't be probably wouldn't be wouldn't be there. So I imagine just everything kind of goes in Godson's favor outside of you know him wanting to go back to 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 a Finnish team and and back to his home uh, home country. So, Prof, what do you think is the chances? Because I'm with Strack here. I think that it's probably better off staying where he is. Um, because Ants haven't, haven't been able to make the pieces of the puzzle work just yet. But if he was to stay where he currently is with Godsent, now, earlier in the year, with the Pronax stuff that went down, um, with Godsent as an organization, do you think anything from that period of time would lean towards the idea that Godsent want to sell these guys? Yeah, I mean, that has also, I think, been reported like that they are looking to sell the the lineup. So this is also a part of the things that we can't really talk about that much because uh, salaries aren't public and, and uh, buyouts aren't public and we don't really know all of these details. But from what I gathered, it's like Godsend are simply not up to the par with all of these other orgs that are currently looking for for lineups and teams and I, and i think it's just that is going to be the number one deciding factor like if one player gets picked off then everyone's just going to be leaving the team sooner or later just like all of the best pieces from the team at least so uh and then if they stick together go to fpx may that could be like a completely different ball game right and before all of this extreme stuff, I was thinking that like Azer would be the perfect fit for for them as an in-game leader to replace yeah. Crystal. Maybe maybe not tactically, but I think Firepower definitely upgrade. And then kind of similar roles as well to what they do. I think that would be like a pretty amazing, amazing lineup to have. I don't know. But I don't know. It's it's very hard to see. I don't think it will be I think definitely heroic are trending uh, heroic. Gods that are trending downward with all of these rumors and all of this happening in the background is not helping helping the players perform at all. Yeah. So the longer it goes on, it's going to be harder to actually like to sell them or for a player to like for all the players to stick together because it, like bad results are just going to be turned into frustration and then you leave. But they did qualify; they beat Heroic yesterday, so I'm just talking out of my ass. Right? No, curious like thing though. Curious yeah. thing though, they skipped the qualifier for Beijing. Uh, assuming it's assumingly because of these these things, either because of the 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 transfers or because of Zan's um, kind of interest in ends. But at the same time, it's since they played uh, a game like what is it yesterday or two two days later uh, after the, the the Beijing qualifiers started, 
And who the hell who the hell knows what's going on to be honest i think there's a bit of that because there's been those players names have been in the back chats like of, of of rooms for a while now because the pieces of that team are great like everybody wants a fucking stico every there's a bunch of teams that could use a could use a madden or there's a bunch of teams that could use the like a like a farley like, so yeah the, there's like you look at that team right now and you think fuck they're ripe to be to be taken apart but yeah let's wait and see what happens with godsend hopefully hopefully they stay together because they were looking promising a little bit earlier on the year let's go uh you know what what... i'm just gonna add one more thing you know what what would suck is f is fpx is if fpx get fucked by an organization stealing a player of a roster that they want to buy and it just falls through because of that again (laughs) i would i would hate to see that happen just because of you know, FBA big or that comes into the scene, you know, tries to buy out a heroic, did, doesn't work out because of a satan going to Astralis. And then it happens again with uh, with Godson and Zed. So I'd hate to see that happen. So I'm hoping that even if Zed goes to ends, they're just going to sign another, another player, somehow make the team even better and FBX actually get what they want. It's not going to happen like mid-tournament. So yeah. since they skipped Flashpoint yeah. too. So yeah, yeah. All right, so let's keep it moving. Let's jump into uh, some of the Blast Premier Fall series. Now, uh, if you haven't been paying attention, uh, Blast started on Monday last week, um, and they have some of the big names in their tournament. Now, I'll just read these out for everybody. We'll kind of surmise everything, and then we'll go from there. So uh, same as what they did in the in the start of the year. We had uh, three groups of uh, four teams. So the teams are Navi, NIP, Evil Genius is OG. That's Group A. Group B is Vitality, Complexity, Big, Phase. And then Group C, which is starting in 10 minutes is um astralis mibr furia and g2 and one of the keys that the blast have had here is a fantastic little nugget for them to to use for the storylines there's all these new rosters right they're going to get the debut of uh, g2 with nico today and we're going to see mibr's new team since they've ha- have the three sta- stand-ins or emergency players here just to see how things go uh astralis with zipex coming back complexity with jks was in a debut phase with olaf coming back was another big one vitality actually doing mid fucking series six-man changes with Nevera. Even Shocks got subbed on out. We're going to get North America going up against Europe. We had EG go up against uh, OG and NIP. And then we're going to get Furia, obviously, going up against, the, hopefully, the likes of Astralis. So there was uh, so many things going on, like, from a storyline perspective for this tournament. But one of the ones that uh, I think we should start off with was OG. Just, we're not going flawless. They dropped two maps throughout. But they, they beat EG. They beat Navi and then they beat Navi again. Prof, pretty solid stuff from OG. Uh, shocking, of course. Yeah. Uh, not really what we expected from them. I don't like this. Was kind of a while ago. What I what I looked back on, I realized that like Alexi had a great tournament, like great for his standards and yeah. for his role. Uh, what he's doing for the team and calling as well. I think 108 rating and then fucking Mantu again, like 130 rating over the. I don't know, eight, nine maps that they played. So th- those were the two win-, win conditions for them. I think if Alexi B is going to be like performing like that, that is going to unlock you a lot of, a lot of just map, map space, right? He's a kind of a risky player in that regard and plays for the team. And then if he's getting frags on top of that, then that's going to be just like a, a winning, winning material for those guys. And I think the uh, very interesting part was the, the mic top segment that they had when they were retaken and Alexi B is micromanaging. Yeah. Uh, especially from the perspective of like FaZe potentially getting Alexi B and then Nico saying that he didn't think Alexi was the right fit. I think when you watch that, you realize he wasn't the right fit. I think that is exactly what 
phase doesn't need like that much micromanaging like you move here you go here it's like i I don't think that would have been the winning formula either just like an off topic just because that's a very topical thing now with an eco interview and everything it's like ah we can get a in-game leader maybe maybe it would still be good maybe it'd be better than phase was probably but it wasn't the ideal combination i don't think so far from it so looking at this one here, Peacemaker, OG, right, with with the playstyle that Prof was saying Alexi B has, right, like he does a lot for the team. He seems to be the one when there is an issue, he'll just go and fill that gap by himself or take that risk for the team. Um, with, with him as that type of a leader, how far do you think OG can go? Do you think that there's like a, a cap on that if he needs to do that grunt work or he can eventually teach a player to be able to fill those gaps? Or what do you think the limit is for OG? I think, first of all, like uh, OG is that team that is not really on the radar that much. And suddenly, at least for us, like it's OG is not a team that I'm constantly watching demos and trying to see how they play and that kind of stuff. Like uh, the only thing I did recently was to see, actually, when we're talking about Alexib, like uh, we watched a couple of demos from Nuke, and holy shit, the, the Alexib guy, like he creates so much space for his team, and like they have a very specific way of approaching and using him in that map. And definitely underrated. And if you, if you, and if you're not aware of all the moves and all the stuff he does for the team, then you can definitely get a call off guard a lot. Um, so, and I feel like Alexi is constantly doing those things. And in terms of like how far I think they can go, I mean, first of all, it's kind of surprising for me that they they are still together. There wasn't any roster changes, and nobody is getting out. Like, cause they are that type of team that is like uh, international, and then you will look at the pace, the pieces they have. Like a guy like Alexia, even though he might not be the greatest fit for Phase, but he could definitely be a very good, uh, a very good option. Then you look at Valde, for example, for Danish teams. Like it's very surprising that they're able to keep the roster without any changes and stuff. That's the first thing. And the second thing is just like the results are obviously looks really good. It wasn't like very dominant if you look at results purely results wise. And like they beat EG, which in my opinion, like they came from pretty long time playing in NA, and I'm not really sure if they were used to, if they got enough time practicing here to know how teams are playing and all of that. And I definitely think that the practicing NA nowadays, you definitely develop a lot of bad habits, and you're just simply not uh, following the meta in Europe. That's that's a big issue in my eyes. And the second thing is that uh, I mean. They, they, they did a good series against CG, and then when you, when you see Navi, it just Navi for me is one of those teams that they, first, like obviously they rely a lot on simple performing in electronic, like those are the star players, and there is really high expectations on them, simply because they most of the times deliver their A game, and you kind of have those high expectations on them, even because their B game for those players is so high up there, that uh, once one of them kind of doesn't perform, then Navi kind of looks a bit shaky, but Navi, I feel like Navi always been kind of shaky online. I think they are really, really good, but they are not a team that when I look at their results online and the performances they put, it's not like, it doesn't surprise me that OG beat them twice. But like if it was online, then I have my doubts if it would be the same outcome, that kind of stuff. I feel like Navi is a team that when they are online competing offline events and all of that, I think they are a lot better. I think it was also because of Electronic kind of going missing in that entire group. He he never really had that, that sort of impact that we see from him. It was really mostly simple, you know, being being simple and and not really having too much help uh, from firepower wise from the others. And just Electronic is the guy you normally look to, and he wasn't really showing up either. So I feel like that was a big a big reason why OG didn't OG managed to take them down twice. 
Well, I, I think here, like this is a question I was going to throw your way, Striker, because you seem to, to have a pretty good database in your head of like all these players who have come on through. Yeah. But in the last, well, it's almost, it's two years, uh, not two years. It's it's a year now um, uh, since OG have been a roster. Uh, yeah. Mantu, within that period of time, has to be probably the best pickup. Right, like I'm talking about a player that wasn't on anybody's radar. Most as... surprising for sure, I think. think of... Most surprising being good. <laughs> yeah, like, but that's the thing. Like, he wasn't even a primary orper on his previous team. He was secondary orping, yeah. and you look at his stats within OG now. Like, they're pretty yeah. insane. They're fucking nuts. Like, he's he is legit. Like, Mantu is fucking. It's obviously it's it's all online CS, right? But that's where we are right now. I'm not going to fucking split hairs on that until we know when we go back to land, which could be fucking never. Um, well, that got depressing. Um, but. Uh, uh, like Mantu is he he seems like the real deal. I was going to ask you, Strike, if there are any other names that off the top of your head that you could think of have like come in and perform at because this team is a is a is a team full of everybody else around him had achieved something or had been like you know a good player at one point. MBK obviously, yeah. um, Issa in Hellraisers was part of the star duo with Woxic. Uh, you obviously have Valdo who top of the Danish charts. We always talk about that one there and the Lexi B with the Ents roster making it deep in the major run. Like those guys have all definitely been around the blocks already whereas this kid just comes in he is the most consistent factor of the whole team like there's i mean this... there's one there's one name that, that that pops to mind that's kind of Brokey? comparable yeah exactly i was gonna say Brokey just because nobody really expected him to be as good as he is to be honest like no nobody saw that coming he also it, it... took a, a bit to to get going Brokey though yeah, I think. yeah for sure. like... he needed he needed to switch around roles and stuff like that figure out the thing with the op and and whatever uh, but he definitely grew grew into it pretty quickly They've really bought into the whole team mantra over there at, at OG. They're like, it's when I do an interview with Valder and like we ask him some questions and, and he had like a sick performance. And I was like, hey, like, how do we get that out of you all the time? And that's just, you know, like everybody can have a doubt of that. I'm like, no, they can't. Like, <laughs> no, 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 they can't. Like you, Valder, can have a day like that. And Mantu can probably have a day like that. But like Alexi can have an impact game. Issa can have an impact game. And MBK can have an impact game. But the two like guys who should be fragging at the top should always be Valder and Mantu, right? Like they're the... The two players who, at least in my mind, are heads and shoulders above the rest, and that—that's not how they were winning games, which is very surprising to me. That they're getting across the line with Mantu being consistent, and then it's always just someone else chipping in with a good performance, and they're getting wins. Um, so, look, there I was an see... interview just with with Mantu. He did mention about like the whole of the the team aspect. I yeah. think I wrote it out. Some see something. He said something like, "We fixed our issues between players." So that's a thing. That, that was the only thing that they attributed the, the good blast performance to. So I don't know. It's, it is like the Dota OG mantra that they have to stick together and team works, I don't know, long term, however. So I don't know. Seems to be working, even though I don't believe it. So well, it's like I'm. I I I didn't think they would be a dangerous team at all, but now they clearly are a dangerous team. They like, can be like if if they hit if they hit the checkpoints, basically, like they yeah. can be a good team. But it's just like. The question of when when they do because it's not really consistent with them um but i feel like they've been doing it a little bit more um in in recent times and sure. from what i was looking at like the ranking they've actually been on the up like improving co consistently the entire time since they, they got put together i think they're they're at their peak now after that, uh, that someone blast, did like they make like a picture on reddit with uh their like ranking on hltv and just like it made like a i don't know like a average through the time and just extended it for oh, three yeah, months yeah. i know and yeah. like in three months they're going to be number one with with their trajectory that they've been on but it has been pretty long it seems like at least 
considering we are in CSR, like three to six months, if you're not doing good, fuck off, do, yeah. do some changes, right? Well, I, I look at the team, if we, if we can get more consistent performances out of, of Volder, like as a star player and Issa can play better with his ping issue for those people who don't know he's playing from fucking home so his ping is going to be like in the realms of like 80 plus the poor yeah. guy um then you know they're, they're looking good like they've they're put in the work and they're, they're starting to play some good cs when other teams are faltering and you you can't argue with the results at the moment so uh good stuff from them but one who we do need to talk about here and peacemaker already uh delved into it a little bit was eg now does anybody know are eg going home now i thought they were having to play in beijing right no, 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 that's no, they should be playing. Oh no, no, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Which is yeah. in five days or something. So uh, that's it. Yeah, like let's let's bring this. Uh, I think the, the original plan for them was to like go and uh, go back to the US and yeah. then come back again later. But with that be possible now. That uh. and also the thing is like they would be coming back, I guess, mostly because of the LAN of like the LAN uh, IM Global Challenge, right? Yeah, and considering like the recent German lockdowns and everything that could be like very unlikely to happen. So I'm not sure if it, if it's worth it for them to come back for the blast showdown and I was going to go the other way. No, I think it's, it makes sense for them to stay. They shouldn't go home. Like yeah. listen to this event at Beijing, like li listen to these teams liquid. Yeah. Okay, cool. Chaos. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then we're in team one, new England whalers, triumph, rebirth and rugrats. Why would you fly home to play that? Like, what would be the point? It's, you would fly. You would fly home to qualify for IM Global Challenge, right? But they'll qualify anyway. They're going to qualify over Liquid because Furia already have the invite, right? So EG should stay in Europe. They just need to. They it's better. Uh, ESL World Rankings. Let me check. That's yeah. like ranking based, right? The part of they it. have. Yeah, so let me yeah, check some spots. I think they have one spot. Available for North America from the yeah, world ranking, and rankings, I don't think yeah. Liquid can catch them. Like I'm not a hundred percent. Like I, I'm but not I mean, a like we can expect guru. Liquid to win this event, to be honest, and make that make that tournament through that spot at the in Beijing. If yeah. if they just skip it, because they're going to be by far the best team there. So uh, I think I think it's it's fair to assume that Liquid are going to take this spot, and then the only North American spot that's going to be left is essentially like reserved for EG because nobody else even comes close. Isn't there only two North American spots? One of them has already been given to Furia when they won uh, New York, and the other one is ranking based. So it's either going to be Evil no, Genius. Beijing, this Beijing tournament has one too. Does it? Yeah. I, really? That's what that's what our site says. I, I imagine it's right. I don't see why it wouldn't be. That's not what I've been selling on the broadcast. Have I been fucking out that <laughs> badly? Maybe yeah, Beijing has one spot, and then you have uh, Beijing Europe, Beijing NA. And then you have World Ranking Europe one and two. World so Ranking three NA teams from North America. Yeah, yeah. So it's like almost impossible. It's not like Furia, EG, and and Liquids. Yeah, impossible. Imagine. Yeah, so what in that case, hell? I only thought probably there was two teams around. from North America. Yeah, there you just go. stick around. They don't need to go anywhere. That yeah, I agree with that for change. sure. The fuck? It fucks over Liquid, though, if they can't really travel over. But I feel like they, they can still travel through Serbia. I don't think that's going to be a problem. I feel like everybody can go there. I'm going to fucking message my people and see if this has changed. Because I, I swear to God, there was only two slots. Maybe it's like, changed with this recent movement, but I don't. I feel like it, it hasn't. Eh, either way, it doesn't really matter. So yeah, EG don't... did get like they didn't do much. Like they had one good map against NIP that they lost, uh, and they they also beat EG on one OG on one map. Yeah, right? they, they had a good Inferno. Their like B CT side Inferno is pretty good with Tar Tarek and Ethan, and Ethan was playing well. 
Breezy was kind of not playing well. Breezy was also the same as Electronic, was really, really didn't show up uh, the entire group. I feel like he didn't even have one, one series above like 1.0 rating, and obviously we expect much more from Breezy. For sure. Like in in terms of the EG, like I watch I watch their games, but uh, I I don't know how the best way to quantify it for people is. Like I can't even think of like a, a way that I could relate it to like even any fun kind of gimmick. It's just like you're playing a version of Counter Strike where everything's a little bit easier. Like you heard me list those other teams who are in Beijing. It's like this go- calls for the classic checkers uh, checkers and chess. Comparison. Sure. Well, I don't know if it's that stark of a contrast. I know, like you still, but the th- the thing is, it's more like the mistakes that you can get away with, like in North America, you can't get away with them in Europe because people are just going to kill you. Like they're not going to miss the shot. Whereas in like you might get away with an overpeak or a repeak that you'd normally win just because you're better. But in Europe, everyone's just as good as you. Like that's just the way it's going to be. So there is always an adjustment period. And before you go, oh, they were playing events in Europe in the back. Yeah, but that's because the circuit was constantly running and they were constantly playing against the meta and better players. They've literally just had six months where like the best scrims that they could find were against Liquid, who just added a coach and a new player. Furia, who I'm sure must be the hardest team in the world to play against in scrims because they're just running around everywhere. A hundred thieves. Uh, and who else am I forgetting? Genji. Yeah, right. Yeah, it might be out too. Um, Genji, Genji in the mix. So like your your practices, you could practice what five, maybe six teams that you would give any merit to. So it's like you can't establish anything new. You're gonna get lazy. I, I Zeus probably did the best job he could with what they had, but it's just gonna be an a, adjustment period. I think we spoke about this earlier in the year on the show, actually. Um, yeah, it was the DAPS episode. If someone wants to go back and watch where we talked about like what the issues are gonna be when. If this goes on for a longer period of time, which of course it it has. Uh, Not to mention also the fact that uh, some of those teams are competing against each other in events. So there's practice plus events that are playing against each other. And then some of those teams, I know for a fact that they try to not practice against each other when it it doesn't make sense. And they're about to play an official in two, three days. Which is all the time. So when you actually think about it, like groups with four teams on each group, and then suddenly you can scream three of those teams. And then let's say you end up in a group with Liquid, MIBR, and then Furia. And then fuck, you just end up having to scream against like Chaos, and then you basically have to book maps against them for every single day. Yeah. And then end up repeating the same map. I, like, I'm really, really worried about uh, just NA in general. I think, as you said, Chad, I think Zeus probably did a really good job on like keep trying to keep them in check and still competing and all of that. But I'm really concerned about the amount of practice and motivation that those players have while they're competing in an A, like uh, who knows what kind of schedule they had. If they're actually playing like four or five matches per day, or if it just came down to a point, they're just like, you know what, like we're playing the same team over and over again. Like, ah, whatever, let's just uh, play individually and make sure we are on point kind of thing. Play some Valorant <laughs> on the side, mate. That's probably yeah, exactly. what's going on. <laughs> uh, all right, let's keep it moving because uh, we could get stuck into North American Counter-Strike yeah. all day if we wanted, but we need we're... to talk about this. We have to talk about this. It's bloody crazy that they're doing it so if you guys missed it uh this was from from group b in in blast uh and vitality the fucking madmen they pulled it off they managed to be the first team and probably will be the only team for some time who were actually doing this whole six-man roster they announced it they got navira there we saw him sitting behind rpk we thought you know this was like a father-son situation going on but what they've done is because blast within the rules for their event allow you to make substitutions between maps so nevera is playing dust 2 
for Masuta. And what we learned just the other day when they beat Big, I think it was. Yeah. Um, that, Inferno. Yeah. Nevera's also playing for Shox's, Shox, Shox's position on the team. So they are legitimately doing this. Now, whether or not, you know, I, Vitality are probably the best team to do this with the style of Counter-Strike that they have. But whether or not this is a thing for the future or maybe they're just seeing how good Nevera is or, or we don't we don't know really how this is going to pan on out. But what were your initial takes when you saw this, Prof? Like, were you like, this is madness or this is... What would you think? Like, the first map I saw was the Dust 2 that they lost, I think. But Nevera top-fragged. But top-fragged in, a, like, a non-impact way. Like, yeah. he was getting kills. From one perspective, my perspective was, okay, this guy can frag, which is good. So that's, like, a good good like just a good marker for them okay this guy can't hold his own even though his, his kills weren't impactful he's it's not his fault that everyone else died and he just had like stupid duels that didn't mean anything right so that was like okay and then the more he was playing it seemed like better and better and then every time misuta came back in misuta played better like this was like the tied best event for misuta in his career with vitality 106 rating not insane but again his role not going to be like super flashy, not going to take the op like Nivera did uh, quite a bit, actually. So, yeah, I was like, okay, what the fuck? This is actually working. I hate it. It's working, you know? <laughs> That's the thing. So I, I think we should pivot to you now, Peacemaker. Obviously, being a coach of a team. Now, in recent times, you've had a lot of issues with rosters. But let's say that you had a stable roster and things were going pretty well. Is this something that you would ever consider for your team? And then second of all, is this something that you think is going to be the norm or it's just a special case with a team like Vitality who plays pretty high variance Counter-Strike? Um, I mean, first I was very surprised. I didn't really, not going to lie to you guys, I haven't really watched those games that yeah. much. I've seen some highlights and stuff like that on HLTV. But like, if this is going to be a thing where they do it, like on those maps specifically, like Nivera on Dust2, he's going to play instead of uh, Misuta. And then they're going to practice like that. And then, I mean, for practice-wise, practice, practice -wise, I feel like they could even build a schedule where, you know, like uh, that could even be helpful for some of those players. Like, let's say Shox is feeling a little bit burned out and then they build a schedule around, hey, today we're going to practice only Dust2 and Vertigo. And those are the maps that you don't really need to be there. So why don't you just take a day off? chill and then you come back the next day so that could be refreshing i can see that working in that aspect and that's pretty good for the players but like then you would have to then you would need like uh, this guy to do multiple roles and did and and stuff like that so that could work if you had like a 10-man roster that you could keep switching around but if if they do that on specific maps and it's always the same substitute and they practice like that then i don't see a big issue and when it comes down if i i would do that like i would first i would do probably what they did in terms of like building a foundation and having a really uh, having a map pool and becoming a top team and all of that and then when i get there and then if i see an issue let's say let's say i, I could have the opportunity to have two uh have an opportunity to play seven maps right so i want to play seven maps but for some reason i have this guy on my team who really feels uncomfortable on dust 2 or inferno and then i can pick up a player who feels really comfortable, maybe he could even be like the second voice in the team because he's simply really good on the map, then maybe I could see some use of that in order to have a seven map pool and then I can play all seven maps and then when we have to play that map, then we use the sixth guy or something like that. But in the long run, I feel like it's so hard to have five players on the same page in CSGO uh, that making a six-man roster work is very, very challenging in the long run. Like short term, it might look great, 
But in the long run, there's also egos, right? Like that develops, maybe you're not playing, and then suddenly, like, uh, there is personality clashing in the team, chemistry and all of that. I feel like it's pretty hard. I also don't know, like, when things goes back to normal on land, how that would even be a thing. Like, yeah. uh, you have, you basically, you have five minutes between maps to go uh, drink some water and smoke a cigarette, and then you have to do a substitute in the middle of that. So that's very, very challenging. I, I think, think Blast said something like they had like 10 minutes where you had to set up. If you didn't set up, you just play on what you have. But that wouldn't that wouldn't ever work like that. You just you don't force people to play on a not set up PC like that. That's just like a technical issue. Right. So I, I don't know how that would work. But other than that, just. But this is this is where we come into problems, right? Because obviously, I know we're fucking in this issue we're in right now. And we don't know how long it's going to go on for. But with the major being postponed indefinitely, let's assume that let's let's just say, for argument's sake, in the third quarter of next year, it's like okay, we're back. We've all wore our masks. We've washed our hands. We've stayed indoors. There's a vaccine. All the world's realized that you know we just have to get on with it. Whatever the fuck happens, right? We're back and the major is going to be on like this is going to be an issue for some team striker, right? Because the if you've only played for the last nine months or whatever with Nevera on dust two and then Masuda gets thrown in because you want to use him in more maps of the major. Like what? Wh how, how do you even work around that? There's because Valve, well, you, they're not going to fuck essentially with Essentially you don't. Yeah, exactly. Because I don't think Valve will ever uh, make that possible, at least. Yeah, I don't see Valve making that possible just with the stance that they've taken and uh, surrounding, you know, an extended roster and and coaches, you know, not having as much of a not having as much of a say. So I don't, I feel like this will just not work at a majors. So the teams just have to take that into consideration and then um, have to make concessions around it because otherwise, yeah. Um, I, I look, I, I want to go around the room here like we did before. Um, now this this question. I think that the six or seven or eight or 12 or however many fucking players you think that you're going to put on your roster these days, I think that it is merely a, a symptom of the situation we're in right now with online Counter-Strike because we're not stupid. Everybody watching this right now and everybody partaking in this right now and everybody who watches it in the future is well aware that since we've come back from the player break, there has literally been a tournament non-stop. It has just been non-stop fucking Counter-Strike. And I know that... Um, Apex is an example of one of the players who we're talking about from Vitality. He's been vocal about the burnout and the amount of matches. Now, unfortunately, this is a sidebar. We'll come back to the other point. Unfortunately for him, he's probably not going to actually get a day off um, because he's the in-game leader of the fucking team. So for him, this kind of probably doesn't help him at all. Now, coming back to the main point, uh, we'll quickly, before I digress too far, um, uh, with this whole situation that we have going, I personally think that this is a symptom of online counter-strike and COVID scenario that we're in right now. I think once things return to normal and teams start being more selective and don't fucking put themselves from event to event or flying from Malmo to New York or New York to Malmo and then China and then back from China and then China again. Like once teams start being sensible about their schedules and stuff, I think we'll just return back to the five-man roster with maybe a sixth guy on the bench who's also a streamer and occasionally he can step in if somebody, I don't know, fucking breaks a toe or some shit. Now, I want to go around the room. Do we think, Prof, that this is a symptom of online, or do you think this is the future of Counter-Strike? Uh, difficult can, to say. There can be another answer. I mean, uh, maybe somewhere in between, like as you said, I think it is something that is here to stay, but not in like a in a way maybe that anyone is doing it right now. I, as like even uh, Vitality's coach did like a decent tweet longer uh that you can read like translated on hltv as well he did say 
we don't know what's going to happen with this. We're just trying shit. This is essentially what he said. Yeah. I think that is what, what everyone's doing. Everyone's doing something different. Some will say Astralis never had a six-man roster or a seven-man roster ever. It was just like a farce. Maybe it was. Uh, Vitality are trying to do this like mid-series swapping for specific maps. The G2 are trying to do their thing. Uh, Cloud9 is going to try to have like something like you described from what Henry said, right? Someone like a streamer, older guy to, to sit around. I think it is going to be picking around, but I'm not sure in what actual form it is going to be. Okay. Draco, what do you reckon? I think, um, I mean, from what you just listed there, Every single team is is approaching this in some different way. Yes, Estral has essentially used it as a as a, as a replacement. Like let's let's uh, yeah not lie about that. It's just um, the way that they've always only had the amount of players that they needed because you know two were out, so they needed to add two players. Now one of them is out. Essentially, the only time when they realistically had an extended roster as well now i guess you can say just because Bobski is still on the team essentially and uh in what was the tournament cologne right where yeah. they used the Bobski in the first game but then since then they always played with with us attack right so i feel like that's the only period in australia where you can actually say that they had some sort of an extended roster where they could choose between you know who plays but now that uh, we have zip eggs back and we have actually the original five we're gonna have to see whether Bobski ever gets to play because that's obviously uh, a question that that we are we're all asking when it comes to Astralis and their situation because I don't think I don't think he will ever play unless there's like an an, an actual problem with the original five yeah. you know one of them not not being able to play for some reason so and then you have Vitality who are obviously doing this and I think I don't know what whether I agree with that it's a symptom just because with Vitality they're still using all of their players like in full capacity essentially like the other player who's out of the team is still like you know watching the play watching the team play and waiting to to potentially start back in i'm sure they're still all part of this the, the practice and and trying to figure out who's going to play which uh which map and stuff like that so i don't think anybody's getting time off in vitality while you know in Strauss it was obviously different then there's g2 who's essentially just trying to figure out okay which player do we keep and they're they just want to do a trial and error and then figure out where which one is actually better and who else is there i guess that's that's pretty much the, the main parts now but i need you to so, land somewhere for me mate i need you to pick just tell get your little crystal ball try, i'm trying to this was leading somewhere and now i forgot where oh, it I've derailed was you. leading yeah exactly um but i essentially think that it is just people you know doing stuff i don't want to say out of boredom but just like being able to and not you know having to travel to events and being and needing to have good results because this is the time to try stuff, whatever you want to do, yeah. especially if you're a team that's kind of safe at the top level, you know, where you're not really afraid of, you know, dropping out of like the top 20, not getting invites and stuff like that. These are teams who are cons consistently going to be able to play at the biggest events, no matter what they do. Like they're, they're still going to be a good team, whether, whether they try this stuff or not. So for them, it's just kind of like a safe way to try things out, see if like this is something that they can explore for the future, especially like when we look at a, a Vitality. So I do think that it's going to go away kind of once once we get back to like a normal situation uh and until then people are just going to try stuff out all right so back to normal eventually pretty much all right peacemaker what do you got i think uh, i agree with the both uh striker and prof like i think it's kind of like uh people are just trying different things right now so I think for the future, one thing that I could see happening, it's like uh, we all know that the, the organizations can't have like academy teams. So what the, what could end up happening is that 
they get these new upcoming talents and they kind of like uh, fit him into the original, like with the main roster and kind of like teach him the ways and kind of like prepare him to in the future be a potential substitute. The challenge with that is, let's say you keep this guy for six months and then after six months, the guy has been every practice and here and there he plays and he's doing a good job, blah, blah, blah. But then in six months, the team just feel, let's say in six months, the team actually feels like he could be a good opportunity, but in the market, there's that hot guy that is really, really willing to come, and they're just like, fuck, man, should we get, the, should we, should we try to do it with this new guy that we just, has been with us for six months, or should we get a guy like Nico to a roster who we know he's going to deliver? And then let's say you bring Nico on board, and then that guy has been sitting, practicing with you for six months, and when he finally has the opportunity to join, then someone else comes. So that could be very challenging to manage that uh, those things. But I think for the future, I can see more teams going for that approach of like either using a sixth man, as you said, Shad, like a streamer, someone who can come in and uh, play whenever needed, or someone or a young upcoming talent that eventually, like, look, the orgs doesn't really lose much by doing it. Like they will pay this guy a certain amount of money if he develops and show any kind of a good level when he plays then who knows? Maybe they, they offer him a, a contract and they actually don't even need to pay a buyout and then suddenly they sell him for millions. And then, like, it's the rise. Yeah, yeah, especially exactly. what that's so, the tag. So there's no the losing on that besides, like, if obviously the players and the coach needs to be open to that. But I, I can see a lot of works going for that approach because there, there there's, there's a lot of upsides about it. So, yeah, I think this is something to answer your question. I think it's something that's going to stick around, not sure. only a symptom of the online era. I think you hit a right, really important point with kind of, kind of the economic uh, side of this, where you just don't. This is the this is a way where you just don't where you ensure that your future, the future of the team, stays intact. Where you can, where you know when you have to get a player, you can get one just because you have one in the, on the sidelines. Yeah, and you don't have to pay for him. Like you've kind of brought him up uh, in your in your uh, in your team, kind of on the sidelines, and he can just take a. Take a spot later at the, at some point whenever you that need to. That would be a lot easier, right? Like in yeah, the for sure. All the strats, all the system, everything. And just hey, come on board, like we need you, and then yeah. Well, the, the also, BMS, also helps. Yeah. The, yeah, the Bima situation is one of them. But let, let's say even for Mad Lions, if they had someone that could come in uh, and when they had to buy innocent, right? If they had someone that's like a decent, decent Danish player that can step in, that would allow them also just to have a stand in for one tournament, but also allow them to like when they are. When they're trying to buy out someone else, the ne negotiations would be easier this way. Oh, like everyone knows you need it. a player, yeah, right. And then, so so from that perspective, I think it's a good way for. I mean, good way. It's um, it's a way in which orgs can actually leverage the players into money, right? Yeah. They they use a player to build them up, like like they did with with Esetag. We knew he was a good player, but now he was in Astralis, did really well. His worth i think cloud nine still overpaid him but even if they sell sold him for like half of that it would still be, be a massive gain right for such a short amount of time for a free signing for paying like a couple of salaries like i don't know how many three four months that's a that's a massive gain for the org but, but easy tag also brings a lot of experience and a lot of things that he learned with australia so it's not only not yeah, only exactly. a good deal in that sense but Together with the C tag and the performance comes a guy with the, the knows how the system worked in Astralis and maybe can come with the ideas for Cloud9 and all that. So I think that was a really good signing, actually. I think yeah. that's also kind of a dangerous way to approach this as well, just to like, um, what is it called? Um, share company secrets, whatever. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, 
you bring up a player like an attack, you know, you you show him the way you give him the stamp, you know, a stamp of approval, a trust, like everything like that. And now he knows everything that you've done as a team. Now you know now he knows the all the processes that you works. go through. And he can bring that to another team. So I feel like this there's also a dangerous aspect to this where where uh, if you want to do this as a business decision, there's definitely a drawback. What's it called in like tech industries uh, and stuff? Ah, fuck. fuck. I know I, that's exactly the word that I was looking for. Uh, corporate insider, yeah, corporate insider, espionage fuck. or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, corporate espionage. That's it. No, there's like clauses. There's clauses in contracts, right? Like the, if you leave like a tech company, like you can't. It's fuck. No, I, I know. I know. I know what, what else you like mean. Industry. As well. I don't know. But anyway, we're we're idiots. We won't talk about that shit. I was but looking for the same word. There's some very good points that we brought up. So it'd be interesting to see how that develops in the future. But we'll keep this one moving. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Group C, which hasn't started just yet because there is a, a Steam network issue at the moment. People aren't able to, to get on into the game. So, so they can check for us, I guess. Uh, yeah, works, works out perfectly. So uh, we're going to quickly dive into this and then we'll go into playtime because uh, we, we have to play another ad. Uh, and we want to ask people <laughs> some It's mainly because we want to play another ad, guys. That's why we're going to skip the IEM Beijing stuff because we don't have time. Yeah, um, but that was a placeholder anyway. Group C, we got this coming up. Uh, MIBR, new roster. They got Lucas, they got VSM, and they got Leo Drunky, uh, who have joined with TRK and KNG. And we had Smoo on last week who was talking uh, about the fact that he thinks that TRK, you know, hasn't shown his full potential yet. We know that VSM is a good player, but he's Vakban. That's why he probably hasn't played at this level up until now. Uh, and then you've got Lucas, obviously quite a tenured player, was in Immortals when they made it to the grand final against Gambit in 2017. Uh, G2, we're about to see the roster changes going on there. Fury, we want to see how they go up against on European soil and obviously Astralis. Now that is Group C. I think we should start with Peacemaker and MIBR. The, yes. the, the pickups here, Peacemaker... Um, are they names that I know that you're obviously now so much more familiar with European Counter-Strike, but you might have conversations with people back at home. Do, do any of these names stand out to you that they picked up? Yeah, actually the VSM, uh, I heard a lot of good things about him. Um, he, not only that, but I, I do follow some games some uh, sometimes, like Brazilian okay. games and stuff, and VSM is very, very talented. Um, he, many people in Brazil say he's the he was the next Code Zero. Uh, after uh, for a long time actually, and then unfortunately this uh, Vagben thing um, definitely affected his career. Uh, I think if it wasn't for the Vag thing, he would have got an opportunity in who knows even in IBR to be honest. Like I could see VSM being picked up before the Mayern guy, the Argentinian guy back then, like for sure. And I think that uh, VSM is very talented. Like I'm really excited to see if he can put up some good performance against the. Uh, the high level competition that he's gonna face these next days, but I think it's it's very very challenging. Like the Leo Drunky guy, I'm, I I don't know him that that well. I think that the, that's the player that I'm most curious about if he's gonna be able to perform. Uh, I know Lucas and Lucas Lucas is kind of inconsistent in terms of performance, but uh, he he's a very nice guy to have in a team because he's a really funny guy and he set up the mood really well and chemistry and all of that. And I don't know, Lucas is just a bit inconsistent. Sometimes he delivers, sometimes it's kind of off. And and yeah, and then KNG and TRK, they they are the the ones that per, the stayed in the roster. And I'm just really, I, I don't know, like this this group seems like very unrealistic that they, they are able to do anything. Yeah. Unfortunately, like if it was a if it was maybe in a group like Group A where we would face like EG like a home a game. Yeah, yeah. And then maybe the likes of OG and Navi online. Then I could see them maybe maybe upsetting 
but uh, in this group, I feel like it's a very, 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 very uh, hard challenge. Uh, I still got some question marks in this. Uh, just every single team is kind of like has kind of some kind of a question mark around them. So yeah, uh, I feel like this. It's not. A, it's obviously a hard group. Like Astralis, Fury, and G two are just going to be very hard teams to to get past if you don't go top two. Uh, but it's still not unfeasible that they do some damage essentially. So I want to do it this way here. So uh, what? What key markers, striker, do you think? Because I think we all are in agreement that it's unlikely MIBR even win. A, that it's it's very unlikely MIBR win a series. It's also quite unlikely to see MIBR win a map, right? And yeah. a lot of people are going to hear me say that and go, "That's fucking ridiculous." Well, it's not when you consider the caliber of it opponent. No. But if we wanted to set markers to go, oh, okay, well, there is potential here, or there is a chance that this could grow into something. What, like, if you had to pick two or three things, what would they be that you need to see going right or need to be looking like they're heading in the right direction to have any stock in what MIBR are doing here? Well, I mean, VSM has to be a star. That's one of them. Okay. For sure. He has to be He has to be as good as, as people think he is. Okay. Uh, he's going to have to replicate it against the best teams, which is obviously also a question mark. We haven't really seen him uh, go up against the best teams in the world. Um, so I know he had, a, had some tournament in with Detona where he was... At a good tournament, but I don't remember what it was. But obviously, very inexperienced right. at this level. Must be. What's sorry? Must be pro league. Pro league, yeah. Must must be some some pro league in the past that I know he played. Um, but that's pretty much it, right? So that's one of the definitely one of those uh, question marks that I need to be answered. Secondly, I feel like they just need to be unpredictable as fuck, which they are going to be. Nobody yeah. has any idea how they're going to play. So that's second factor and third factor. It probably has to be KNG on the op. Um, then him coming back to like a form that we kind of expected him to have uh, in MIBR in the first place. And obviously there were a lot of problems with roles between him and Fallen, you know, him not getting as much freedom as he would potentially like to. And now that not only is he the in-game leader, which he, he already had been in MIBR before they, they made all these changes, now he, does, he has literally zero influence from all the old guard. So I think th those three are the biggest things. Okay. Yeah, I, like I would that. like to add one uh, one thing. Like, yeah. uh, it's not leaking anything, but we we had one map of practice against them, which I obviously have, I don't want to say which map was it, but yeah. uh, but uh, I think that uh, they surprised me positively. Like, uh, okay. for the short period of time that they were that they are in Europe, um, I could definitely see that they have uh, they had a style that they wanted to play, which actually is not very aligned to European CS. But I could definitely see that they they had something like uh, the result was pretty close, and uh, yeah, they just surprised me on uh, on how fast they developed. The VSM guy was playing pretty good. Uh, yeah, then who knows? But you you guys might call me stupid, but I actually think that in this group, if there is a team that they could potentially surprise and catch off guard, would be G2 simply okay. because of the fact that they have a new guy in the roster. And I don't know if they are necessarily 100% comfortable yet with the rules and how Nico is going to play and all of that. And so, like, G2 could be the type of team that if they have a good game plan, if they're hitting their shots and they play very loose in the style that the, that the Brazilians likes to play, then I could see them upsetting G2 on a map. Who knows, even in a series, but I think it's way more realistic, like, on a, on a map where they have practice a lot. Like, hey, we're going to play G2, so we should focus a lot on this map because that's the map that we think we can beat them, kind right. of thing. All right, that map well, wouldn't be Vertigo by any chance, would it? I was gonna say no. just two. <laughs> well, yeah, Vertigo is yeah, the first map that they picked against Astralis, so I was just having a look at the video right here that they have oh, okay. going. Okay, I haven't so, seen that. Seen yeah, that. it's uh, Vertigo, Nuke, and then Inferno was the third. It was, but uh, I also 
kind of makes sense for like a G2 pick as well. Yeah. Because G2 play it. And I think Launders tweeted like Nico's stats on Vertigo are awful, like awful for his standards, like 0.92 or something. Cool. So that could be a map that they're going to, like G2 is going to have issues getting done uh, so quickly, right? Getting, we're, getting in line. We're going to jump around a bit quickly here and then we're going to run to this play time. Um, just on let's let's live in the the scenario that peacemaker just created their prof for a second and let's say that g2 uh do lose a map or a series to mibr in terms of the blunders that g2 have suffered over uh <laughs> the last the last year and a bit not um, even like top 10 man that is not even top. you wouldn't 10. put that that top 10 no Look, i don't think so I, unless it's uh one of those like blow complete blow blowouts yeah like like a 16-2 16-5 like they lost they already lost to mibr when zeus was playing this year that was last year that was chicago last year but it was like the the french g2 lineup when they were almost falling apart at yeah. that at that time uh so they they did they had a, they had so many okay they had the, the coach at uh summit the, yes. the bomb defusal the bomb, other bomb defusal with Kenny S on Dust 2 as well. Yeah. He went for the op and literally had the meme about it recorded like a month before. So they, I'm not sure. Maybe it fits like low top 10, uh, but I'm not even sure. Low top yeah, but 10. it's not it's not losing to mouse sports with a stand-in and a coach, you know, type of yeah. type of deal. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that gives the, the level of expectation for that one there. The, the last one I quickly want to touch on um, has to be Furia's adjustment. Um, Striker, do you think it's going to be a little bit like a, getting slapped in the face with a big wet fish uh, I, if they can't get away with their aggression? Do you think that's them fucked? I think there's, I feel like there's going to be something on their part, but I feel like they're the kind of a team that people need to adjust to rather than them adjusting to the region that they're going to play. And I feel like that's entirely, it's entirely up to the European teams to kind of like get used to them playing against the Furia style because it is an entirely new thing or not a new thing, but, but uh, it's definitely not a play style that you will encounter uh, in in Europe at all. So it's just something that definitely is not the same as with EG, where people kind of know what they're getting. And because it's it's a style that obviously makes quite a lot of sense. They don't really take... Sure, they play like around their individuals, but they don't take like massive risks. They don't have like an art type that is going to do crazy stuff around the map. So I feel like it's going to be more of the... The pressure is going to be more on the other side than on Furia. All right. Let's keep it with you, Striker. Who do you think is going to top this group? Uh, I mean, you have to go with the straws, I think. All right, peacemaker. I feel like, yeah. yeah I, feel like a, I feel like Astralis as well. Yeah, Astralis, Prof. Furia. Yeah, me too. I'm gonna go with okay. Furia as well. Now uh, we're gonna leave blast conversation. We're quickly gonna go play time here. I'm sure we have some questions. Lucas, play it. All right, we're back. You guys watch another ad. I hope you're indoctrinated. And when you go to sleep at night this evening, when you close your eyes, all you see is extra fire. And if you don't, then you need to watch more. Next week, we'll put more ads in. I only want positive feedback about the ads. If we get any negative feedback, there will be more ads.
the whole show will be ads. Anyway, <laughs> Prof, ask the question. Uh, yeah, there's a question. Uh, Blame F asks, uh, are A executes allowed? That's just the question. <laughs> I don't know what it's about, but it seems like there's some funny story behind it. Oh, yeah, there is. All right. So let me, let me tell you the story. No, it was basically like we are in, uh, what was it? It was uh, e pro league group stages in London. And then we, we were about to play Navi. And then uh, we, we, had a, we, we had a gameplay for every single map. And then we, when it came down to Mirage, then we obviously, me and Blame prepared a lot. And then the only thing that I told Blame F in that day was like, hey, Blame, like the only thing that I suggest we don't do is to A execute against them because they play really heavy towards connection and A and all of that. And then during the game, I remember that there was a, there was a round towards the end of the game where he called the A execution. And then I was like, yeah, I was like, oh no, fuck no, not, not this. And then I don't remember exactly now. I think we ended up uh, winning the round. Oh, actually, we ended up losing the round, but it wasn't because they had a A stack or anything. Like uh, it was whatever. Like uh, it was a fine read from him. But after the game, I got really, really mad. And then like there is this video footage from Heroic with me just saying like we're outside, and I'm just like blame. Don't execute. The only thing I told you not to do is don't fucking execute the blah, blah blah. And this fucking giant guy, like I'm just like furious on him. He's like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. But uh, yeah, it was just a funny story with the uh, with blame. But uh, yeah, that's why he keeps trolling about it. Like, don't we execute? Is executes a lot. So. <laughs> that that was when you actually beat Navi at Pro League, and then they yeah, did better yeah, after that. The yeah, we beat them in the end. Like we on a very tight series on on overpass, which actually. After that, I was kind of like, uh, I, I definitely regret the way I spoke with BlameF. It was just like in the heat of the moment, it was just like, why did you call it execution? Bye bye. And then on overpass, after all that happened, I was like, fuck, I shouldn't have talked to him like that. But surprisingly, Blame is just a strong guy. And like, he just went on on overpass and he was calling even better and he was putting up even a better performance. So, Christ the guy. There's a question from uh, Vitinho asking Peacemaker thoughts on coaching a Brazilian team in the future. What's, well, the, what's the situation with that? Uh, definitely something that I would love to do again. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. Like, uh, I don't know how realistic is that. Um, basically, I can tell you guys that uh, nobody from MIBR reached out to me during this period of shuffles and stuff like that. Like, so apparently they had in mind to actually try with Kogu at least for the short period of time and see how it goes, which I respect. Whatever, but like in the future, definitely something that I would like to do before like uh, let's say i end my career or whatever like i would definitely consider a lot coaching a, a brazilian project who know like obviously my, i'm not gonna like when i started like i always looked up into fallen code zero and fear and those those guys so if definitely if i had an opportunity to coach a team with fallen and those guys i would definitely consider it okay oh all right that's a that's a curious little tidbit right there. I want to I want to quickly um, with the MIBR thing. I think I touched on it last week, and I wouldn't mind getting your opinion on this. I think like and and I want to make sure I state this very clearly. This is no disrespect to Kogu whatsoever because uh, he's an absolute legend of the game. But obviously, he's been out for some time now. I think that picking up Kogu as the manager slash coach was one of the only moves that MIBR slash Immortals slash Lurpus could have made to save face for their organization, right? Because you lost all of the legends of the team who was the, who would the whole reason you fucking branded the team Amabira in the first place. Now you bring back one of the absolute best to ever do it, who wore that tag for many years, right? That for the Brazilian people must be a pretty big deal, right? Peacemaker. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. And 
many people don't know, but like uh, I haven't really worked with Kogo, but I know a lot of people that did. And the only the thing about Kogo back in the days is that he's a very very hard worker. Even back in the days, like he's the guy that was pushing the team and being the leader and all of that. He was IGLing as well back in back in the days in 1.6, as far as I know. So he's a guy that has really high expectations out of his uh, his teammates. Always did very passionate about the game so if there is one thing that i think kogo will make sure to deliver is making sure that the players are working hard and following their tasks and not going around to like a uh, do stupid shit on social media and all that kind of stuff i feel i feel like kogo can, can can do a really good job in terms of managing the personalities which in that team is very very challenging like they have very strong personalities in that team people with the uh, who likes to be out speaking and all of that so i think if he managed to do a really good job there not necessarily in terms of coaching and bringing a lot of stuff to the table because i feel like if he, if he enters that area without experience and actually try to convince them that this is the way they should play and stuff like that i feel like he needs a lot more time to get used to the meta to see how teams are played before he actually tries to contribute too much in the game okay that's, that's my take nice we got any more questions prof uh no i think we covered more more or less everything that was asked during the show so okay unless you guys have anything to add i think no. we can i i want to do what we always well what no we always do what i've been doing more recently peacemaker i've been opening up the floor is there's anything that you want to talk about anything you want to say or if there's like someone out there who keeps in and you mean tweets and you want to call them a cunt like anything like that this is the time no not really guys just want to thank for the opportunity like it's been uh, i've been watching the show sometimes and uh, obviously, when I had the, the opportunity happen, I was really happy with it. So just thanks for the opportunity. And I hope we can we can hang out some more time again in the future. And uh, yeah, just thanks for the for the people that, who stick with us in Mad Lions and uh, who still believes in the project. I know we haven't delivered what we wanted as well, but uh, we already talked about it in the show. So go back and watch it. Uh, but uh, yeah, looking forward to the future. I think the roster has a lot of potential. So we'll see how it goes. Now we have three events to participate with the against the good teams and i'm really looking forward to see what we can deliver so yeah nice Thanks, okay everyone. that's perfect now uh lucas are we running the rerun tonight at eight yes is it, he good? just pressed the base yes. Luke, just, yes, yes? Yes, yes yes okay so if you want to catch that if you've just tuned in and you've missed peacemaker uh talking about mad lions which is was the majority of the first i think it was like 40 minutes of the show and you guys want to watch the rerun there'll be a rerun tonight on twitch.tv slash hltv org which is where you are already uh, that'll be on tonight at 8 p.m. Uh, or 2000 CET. There's no more daylight savings at the moment. I think I'm right there. Um, or if you want to catch any of this stuff audio-wise, go over to anchor.fm slash HLTV. That's all of the options there. Thank you for uh, joining us today. Thank you to Peacemaker for being here on the show. And uh, obviously, you guys have seen that we're now sponsored by Extrafy. So there'll be a couple of ads here and there. Hopefully, it doesn't cause you too much grief and you still get all the lovely action that you want. Now, we already have our guest for next week locked in. Um, Monday the 9th of November we have a, a guest locked in for then uh same time it's going to be the the 3 p.m slot and then the week after that we maybe have a different day so we'll keep you guys up to date on that but keep tuning on in and thank you for joining us and that's going to be it wear your fucking masks